Why, hello there. Hi, uh, I'm your host, Matt, a.k.a. Legion X, and welcome to what is sure to be a family-filled episode, a family-fun episode of The Gap. Uh, with me, I have my co-host, Shane, a.k.a. The Bearded One. How are you doing today, Shane? <laughs> I had I had to channel the spirit of my son, who was not here with us today. But he is not here. <laughs> Okay, that's enough of that. Yeah, to turn off. <laughs> all hail Putin! All hail Putin! Uh, Can't have more than five seconds, or we'll get sued by Russia. Yeah, by Russia itself, the yeah. do- entire country. Even though I'm, you know, I'd have to, to check. I'd have to check, but I'm pretty sure the the national anthem is fair use. Anyway, hi. Hi, I'm here as well, Matt. Oh, who's uh, that? Uh, uh, <laughs> with us, we also have someone who hasn't been on the podcast in quite a while, uh, and that's uh, our, 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 our co-host, Spencer. How are you doing today, Spencer? Good. I just want to add something to the previous podcast, and that's uh, Cubay did nothing wrong. Cubay did everything wrong, and I'll see you in I, I also want to add something because Ava comes out tomorrow. And Polygon is already hitting the dirt hard of course by explaining are. to a new generation of people that Hideki Anno grappled with depression. Whoa! Look, who would have thought? Uh, look, man, look, they need to know about this. They need, they need to know about this. Uh, yeah. So we're recording this a little early. We usually record on Fridays, uh, but we're recording on Thursday due to a variety of reasons, including the fact that I work tomorrow. Uh, but. Uh, as we're recording this, Ava will hit Netflix in around 12 hours and counting. Um, so, uh, by the time, and by the time this goes up, Ava will be on Netflix. So it is a celebration, it is a cause for celebration for many anime fans. You know what else is a cause of celebration for anime fans? The seasonal awards. <gasps> uh, uh, it's the end of a season, uh, mo- or basically the entirety uh, every show, most of the shows, with the exception of like a couple of double coins, are wrapping up. Um, well, and I think it's time we uh, we discuss what our favorites of the season were, or least favorites of the seasons. What uh, what what surprised us? Uh, what came out of nowhere? Uh, what looked very pretty? All that kind of stuff. Uh, so, does everyone have their picks? Oh, I, I have do. my picks. I do. Yeah, I do not because I did not watch stuff this season. So I will boo! be about, yeah, boo me. Uh, but I will be taking a break from. I will be stepping out uh, for this one uh, and letting you two take the reins. Let's start with uh, let's start with Spencer. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, um, before and- before we start, I want to say keep this as brief as you can because we've got a we got a packed show today. So. We have a packed show today. So what we're gonna do? So what we're gonna do is we're gonna start off with the first award that we always start off with in the season awards, and that is best animation. Spencer, what do you give? What is your award for best animation? Uh, best animation goes to Sadazanai by Studio Mappa. Hmm. Ooh, um, good choice. What can I say about Sadazanai that isn't going to be said later on by Shane and I? Uh, <laughs> This is a gorgeous looking show. Mm-hmm. Like, like this is really fucking pretty. And I don't know if it's Ikuhara telling Mappa how to draw the art, or just Mappa continuing to knock it out of the park. The fact that the fact that this studio can do so many different types of art styles and 
types of animation really surprises me, and it's why they're one of my, if not my favorites, studio presently. Also um, remember that they still have Dororo airing right now, which is the best it's ever been, both in terms of storytelling and animation quality. So, so MAPPA can't be go. stopped. <laughs> they're, they're a train right now, and they're, they're running to that station. So, uh, very good. And I am excited to... Uh, Actually, because I haven't watched the last episode, so I'm going to watch that after. Look good. Shane? Okay, well, I would have... At the beginning of the season, I would have picked Sarah's On My. The only thing that stops me from picking Sarah's On My for Best Animation is that, to a fault, uh, it does reuse a lot. It like, does, It yeah. constantly reuses animation, which is kind of the only big negative I have with that show. So that's the reason why I didn't pick it. In terms of best animation, though, uh, easy pick for me is Demon Slayer. Because yes. Studio Ufotable, with that infinite tax evasion cash. <laughs> that's, why, that's why their budget's so big. They don't pay their taxes. Yeah, they don't pay their taxes. They keep all that shit in their pocket, and that's why all their shows look so good. And they, 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 for the, they, they evaded taxes so they could be like, you know what people really want? Demon Slayer. <laughs> yeah. But Demon Slayer is already, like, a high contender for art of the year for me. And in terms of animation, it doesn't skip on anything. It's extremely fluid. Everything moves extremely well. Like, there's Sakuga all over the place. They just went all out with this production. And honestly, with the art style they went for with this show, I think it would have only it would have only made sense to go ham with the animation as well. And they did not disappoint. So, easy pick for me, Demon Slayer. Yeah, it's a good. They're both very, very good choices. I've seen stuff from both, and they both look excellent. Uh, but they both look excellent. Attack on Titan also looks really good this yeah. season too. Uh, um. So let's move on to um, uh, let's move on to uh, the, so, uh. Sometimes we watch shows because we like them, but sometimes we watch shows specifically because we have literally nothing better to do, and for some reason. <laughs> They're entertaining as all damn hell. What was uh, Shane? What was your guilty pleasure of the season? Because I uh, know what it is. You, we all know what it is. It's and we all know what it is. It's motherfucking after lost. <laughs> <laughs> if you've if you've watched the podcast before in the last few weeks, you've heard me talk about the show where a guy <laughs> on a Vespa has to take a girl to a crater while fighting telekinetic monks that shoot <laughs> meteors, and people have stands that can summon thousands of guns. <laughs> That's all I have to say, really. And it's still stupid. Oh, it is. Like, the weird thing about where it is right now is it's trying to take itself more seriously because the episode they just released um, tells the backstory of what happened in Lost, what caused the calamity. And it's supposed mm -hmm. to be like this heart-wrenching tale of a guy who's torn between the love of his life and his job and how that fucking basically brings his demise. But so much bullshit has happened in this show up to this point, I can't take it seriously whatsoever. So, like, they try to have this really heartwarming moment where he chooses the woman he loves over his duty, and that's what gets him killed. And I'm like, you know, if you didn't have the guy who turns into bees, I think I might have actually felt something during this episode. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who turns into millions of bees. The guy who turns into millions of bees who can also teleport by throwing knives. <laughs> Alright, Spencer, what's your guilty pleasure of the season? I only watched one episode of After Lost, so I can't give it to that. 
What I will give it, however, is uh, you know the girl who cries love at the edge of the universe. Okay, <laughs> this this was my original pick before it just got boring and bad. <laughs> okay, so Studio Feel. Man, Studio Feel. You That's are, the uh, island, now this. Yeah, you give us some good shit. But you can't, I mean, you can't you can't shit on them entirely I, because they also have done shows like Hinamatsuri, Hinamatsuri which is fucking yeah. fantastic. I also kind of like Island, unironically, at this point. So so, but um, so aside from having one of the longest and most un- most stupid titles I've ever fucking read, um, girl you who know, chants love at the bounds of this world. Yeah, that's it. Uh, you know, is about parallel universes, but also about. Fucking your teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I wish he was joking about that, but it happens in the first episode. That uh, man, that man fucks so many teachers. Like he meet, he runs into a former teacher of his, and they have like really high sexual tension because they fucked before, and you can tell. And then she oh, walks man. past him, and he, she's like, "I'll give something good to you later." Bye. Oh, and then. And then he's like, "Oh shit!" And, and then, then they get like, a they get a new fucking female uh, class member with them, and the first thing he does is jump out from under his desk and rip all of his clothes off. <laughs> How horny do you have to be in order? To this do guy that? is the most horny on main I've ever fucking seen. The, this man, this man has and then it's pure like, horny energy. And, and then it's like, "Oh no, my, my best friend is trying to get with the girl who's part of like the fucking topography club, but she likes me." <laughs> <laughs> oh, now there's universes. Oh, my mother isn't my mother. Oh, <laughs> I saw so... her naked in the shower. Oh, it's so I dumb. I fucking hate this show. This is Fuck based it. on a. This is basically based on a fucking H game uh, from like we, the '90s, dude. Like the, the, the mid '90s, yeah. The mid '90s is based on a fucking anti game, and I'm just like, this is it so. It was on dumb. the Sega Saturn. <laughs> of all Who things, to be the on. Sega Saturn. It was on the Sega Saturn, and the only reason it's happening now is because apparently it's gotten like a resurgence of popularity in Japan or something. Also, to make it even worse, Spencer, I told this to Shane last week, but I can tell you now. Apparently, this adaptation is being criticized by people who played the original visual novel as, like, rushed. Oh. This is going to be 26 episodes, and apparently it's moving at, like, five times the speed of the light novel. Apparently, the game is, like, a 30-40 hour game. It's like 30, 40, 50, sometimes 60 hour game. It's long, dude. It, it, it's, it's real a, it's, long. It's a fucking epic. Yeah, it's a fucking epic. It's also apparently like a billion times better than this. And I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt but, it. I would I would just I would just chalk this up to bad adaptation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would just Which, chalk it up to, you know, people who are just like, uh, man, studio is so fucking hard to do. I don't know. Studio don't Feel, know. you did a great job with Hina Matsuri, and then you just went with and then um, I put with island. What what if we had time travel on an island? <laughs> I, island was more entertaining than this, though. Yes, so, absolutely. Um, island was fucking funny. Matt didn't even get to the best parts of Island when it became a completely different show for like three meanwhile, episodes. Meanwhile, you know, is the epitome of what if we took parallel universe and put it in a rock? What if I? <laughs> What if I have the remote from Adam Sandler's Click, but Click. instead of rewinding time, it can send me to parallel timelines? Time. Huh. So, anyways, uh, it, it's a 
It's a fucking treat, Matthew. It's a treat. <laughs> no. As uh, uh, as with all seasons, there are some shows that obviously are funny like that. Uh, but there's also shows that may come out of nowhere and actually surprise the hell out of us. Shane, which show was your most surprising of the of the spring 2019 oh, well, season. well, Spencer and I can talk about this because we have the same one because we already is, is talked about one? this before. Yeah. Okay, then yeah, it's it's Kodo Oto Tomare. Okay, never mind. He changed it. <laughs> oh, uh, all right. Let's yeah. go with Spencer okay, then. Okay, Spencer, uh, I guess why is Kodo Oto Tomare your most surprising of the season? Uh, because I thought in a, dra- a music drama about the traditional Japanese instrument Koto was just <laughs> kind of gonna be like okay um and i had no idea who uh like i had no idea about this studio I had no idea what, what they did uh they did Survamp and they did devil's line mm. um both and, good shows <laughs> but i was just like like okay it's gonna be a a, a drama whatever um it's gonna be about the Koto, so just enough nice music. I didn't expect it to be this good. Did you expect it to make you cry? Because I didn't. No, I didn't. I straight up did not expect this anime to be so heart-wrenching and sad, but also, like, uplifting. Stop That Sound is a, tr- is a treasure of surprises. You don't expect the dub to be as good as it is. Mm-hmm. You well, don't expect the characters to be as well written as they are. You don't expect when they finally sit down and play the Koto to make you cry because it's that beautiful. Mm-hmm. It it just it took me absolutely off guard by having these characters that are like well written and respectable and like kind. But also, the characters that I initially hate turn out to be these, like, unique and, like, interesting characters. Mm-hmm. And, like, now she's my favorite. Yep. And it's just, it's, it's really good. And I can't say enough about how surprised I was by this show. It's definitely up there with soundtrack of the year, because every time they play the Koto, it fucking blows me away. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I didn't mean to watch. This is a show. That's one of my ones I really want to watch this season because uh, yeah. I love show. I love shit like that. I love shit shows like that. Mm-hmm. Like going on, and it's a uh, it's up my alley. Shane, what is your choice for most surprising? Because you apparently had a uh a have an, a one that you were very confident in. Well, Spencer and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, and I thought it was still the same. But thanks, Spencer, <laughs> making me look like a damn fool. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. But my biggest surprise of the season is a show that we've already talked about. It's Sara's On My. Because, okay. Did you not expect this to be as good? I, I think you were underestimating Sara's On My, Shane. Here's the thing. Sara's On My is my first true Ikuhara show. Because the <laughs> only other show that has even been close was Review Starlight. And that wasn't even Ikuhara. It was his protege. So, I really had no idea what to expect going into this, and to get the story that has been told, yeah, it, easily uh, biggest surprise, because it's 
it's so weird and surreal and avant-garde, but it also tells a down-to-earth story about people and connections and how that affects relationships. And everything about the show has blown me away, from the visuals to the writing, voice acting, direction, everything. So I can't in good conscience pick anything else but this for my biggest surprise because I went in with, like, no idea what this was going to be. And I've come out the other side with easily, aside from Mob Psycho, my favorite show that's come out this year. So, there you go. Yeah, uh, uh, I've, I've, the fucking uh, saws on my. If you don't like the show, I'm going to come to your house and murder. I mean, I love Ikuhara, so I, I'm not going to. I probably, I probably will love it. Uh, will it be? Will it be Utena for me? I don't no, know. Probably not. Probably not. Utena's too important to me. Uh, fucking just uh, fucking that show. That show I watched. I watched years ago. Is like that was like my prime age for watching anime. Was like introducing uh, uh, to fucking just to watch stuff. Uh, but yeah. Uh, but if stuff can surprise us, stuff can also disappoint us. And I'm pretty sure both of you have the same one because it's the most obvious one this season. Because I. If if I was because if I had a list out, it would be mine as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Shane, what is your most disappointing of the season? Well, it's it's the yeah. obvious choice, but it's the Let's right say choice it again. because it's we'll okay. Say it together, you get the same. All right, one, two, two, three. One Punch, one punch Man. Man. <laughs> that was awful. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. but well, there's just, also but, delay. So yeah. yeah, there was also delay, but it was also. Just like the show, um, what show fucking happened? Uh, bad management from higher ups. Uh, a complete lack of oversight. Rushed production. Uh, like okay, if it was just the animation that took a hit, I can live with that because good animation doesn't mean good show. Yeah. However, everything else about this production has been lackluster at best. Direction, writing, storyboarding, sound design, all of it is bad. It's not just the animation. And I still see people trying to defend this show. Like, oh, it's just bad animation. Get over it. It's still good. I'm like, no, it's not. What? Do you have eyes and ears and, like, a consciousness? Do you see what is happening here? Like... It's a lackluster production, horrible sound design, terrible editing, god awful pacing. Like they're trying they're trying to get through this entire arc that isn't even done in the manga yet, and I have no idea where they're going to end this season cuz they've already adapted so much of it. And it's the pacing as a result is just Are awful. they going for anime only stuff? I now? don't know. They're definitely not because they're they're trying to catch up with the manga. But here's the thing, the manga is in the middle of this fucking arc, so <laughs> I have no idea what they're going to do to finish the season, but it's probably going to be a disappointment like everything else has been, so I really have no expectations here. Spencer? Spencer, please. One, pu- <laughs> One Punch Man Season 2 sucks. It sucks, <laughs> it sucks really bad. It is... It, none of the jokes have hit. The animation is stilted and bad the only time the animation is good it has ghosting on the frames and doesn't and you can't actually see god the animation damn ghosting oh my fucking god i can tell that the vas aren't into it 
Apparently, the fucking director and writer weren't into it either. Apparently, they were fucking asleep during this production. JC staff is overworked and should not have been given this anime to make. No. And overall, this is a disgusting and disgraceful adaptation of one's hit manga one punch man no i i I can even he's only seen one episode and look how scathing his review is but i totally agree (laughs) with him okay to put this bluntly i i sat through eight episodes of one punch man season one in a row without even noticing it was eight episodes Dude, every okay. time I watch one, every time I watch season one, I always do it in one sitting because it's just it's such a good watch. Okay, it's so good. I got through the first episode of season two and went, "I'm sad. <laughs> this is terrible." As, as we all collectively did. And then, guess what, Matthew? I dropped it after one I, episode I, I, physi- I, I physically cannot i physically cannot get through this like it it upsets me too much to see this done so terribly that i physically will not force myself through a- another 11 episodes and let let me tell you spencer i have i'm up to date with this season and i can tell you that this is a terrible adaptation because this arc in the manga is so goddamn good and when the when this season was coming out, I specifically mentioned this. I'm like, I hope it's not a bad adaptation of this arc because this arc deserves justice. And sure enough, it's a bad adaptation because this arc in the manga is one of the best in the entire series. Like, it's, it's one of one's best. And it's still and going. It, yeah. And it just makes me sad, man. I'm I know only- the mo- the arc in the uh, in the original webcomic, which is also still going, is done technically. Mm-hmm. So the arc is done. So like, if they really wanted to, they could technically adapt from that and use the art style from the manga for it. If they really wanted to, they're not uh, going but... to because I know exactly what what they're leading up to. And mm-hmm. this show just makes uh, it. It went from one of the best shows I've ever seen to something that I'm going to immediately forget as soon as it's done. And that's... If that's not the definition of sad, I don't know what is. I, is, is Shane, I do believe... Is this your worst of the season oh, as yeah, well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it was originally going to be you know, but I couldn't lie to myself. Like, One Punch Man has hurt me too much. <laughs> so, yeah, it's also my worst of the season because it's just such a subpar production in every aspect, and I... I can't get over how truly bad it is at some certain points. I'm, I'm only watching something. out of obligation at this point because it's still One Punch Man, but I'm, honestly, I'm I should be. Something very, very hot about season two of One Punch Man. One, yes, it's my worst of the season as well, so you don't even worry about that. Um, one Punch Man Season 2 is the epitome of laziness. I 100% agree. One Punch Man Season 1, yeah, it did cut corners. However, it had an experienced and brilliant director, an experienced and brilliant writer, a unique take on 
the shonen and kind of superhero genre. Most importantly, it was fun. Mm -hmm. I was laughing at the fact that that people became supervillains because they ate too much crab. <laughs> or or because they built a lot of cars. They turned into a car. Yep. This, I'm like, the first episode, I'm gonna fucking spoil the first episode. I don't give a shit. It's a it's it's about King, you know, was he the number two hero? Yeah. He, no, I think he's um I think he's S class seven or something. S class yeah. seven? Uh, and how he's a complete and utter baby. Yeah. Um, the only he reason he like got the... to S class was because he took credit for other people's work. Yeah. And specifically, uh, okay. Saitomo. Um, and the first episode is like, I watched it and I'm like, okay. And then I went to bed because that was the only thing I could think of. That's right. I went to bed at like two in the in the afternoon i wasn't ready to face the world anymore <laughs> much like man's, king isn't one punch man season two is terrible mm -hmm. and it's it's a prime example of a studio that's overworked inexperienced writers and directors he, and here's the thing though spencer it's the same writer as season one what happened i have no idea because the writing in the season has been lackluster at best, and that's a shame because I, again, caught up on the manga. I know this stuff works because it made me laugh in the manga, and it doesn't here. I'm, but then I'm, again, that that, al that always comes back to bad direction can ruin everything about a yeah. show. And the show has Shingo terrible Natsume. direction at points. Shigo Natsume was, was making an anime that only me and Shane watched. Um... Right, Buggy Pop. Buggy Pop. Buggy Pop. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it, because I like Buggy Pop. Yeah, Buggy but... Pop was really good. <laughs> but nobody else watched it, and the oh. people who, a lot of people who did were like, it's too confusing for me. Yeah, it's supposed to be, me. you motherfucker. <laughs> Read the light they, novels. They bitch. probably saw a single Natsume and just thought it was going to be another one, one punch, punch man. I'm, I'm just going to turn my brain off and watch the punchy thing. I mean, there's that one episode near the end where Boogie Pop fights a fucking dinosaur. Yeah, it's pretty rad. So radical. there's that. <laughs> Dude, it's a dream dinosaur, too. Mm -hmm. It's fucking awesome. But One but Punch yeah. Man, season one, is the definition of a passion project, whereas season two is the definition of a lazy project. Nothing about it works. It's all substandard. Everyone who worked on this should be ashamed of themselves. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it makes me the big sad. That's and my that's my hot take. Everyone who worked on this show should be dead. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> wow! I'm gonna I say know, it. I know. I know it was against their will. I don't but... care about you, Ralph. I don't care about you, that you broke your shoulder. <laughs> Yo, this. This news headline is the epitome of One Punch Man Season 2. And I quote, Guy accidentally shoots himself in the face after bullet ricochets off an armadillo. <laughs> in Florida. So that's One Punch Man Season 2 in a nutshell. Actually. 
Uh, uh, what, uh, what's your best of the season? Because I'm pretty sure you both have the same best of the season. <laughs> I don't know uh, about Spencer. Whoa. All right. All right, Spencer, what's your best of the season? Yeah, because I'm going to let Shane collect himself. Uh, <laughs> my best of the season is... Hmm. Yeah, it's Sars Online. Yeah, it's Sars Online. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would have tried to ask it if it wasn't for Sars Online for Shane. Which we don't uh, we don't even have to talk about it because we've talked about Sars Online so goddamn much on the show already. Let's yeah. just talk about Fruit Basket. <laughs> yeah, Fruits uh, Basket is also if it wasn't for Sars Online, Fruits Basket would have easily been the best show this season. But unfortunately, <laughs> Yukohara I... came out of his shell and was like, I'm going to make a show. <laughs> Why, Why the Italian? fuck is Ikuhara like fucking Mario? Like, don't fucking <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> Why is Ikuhara like a fucking Nintendo character? I said I'm leave me alone. Out. I'm gonna make a show about trans people. I'm going to make a show references. about the connections. Yahoo! <laughs> I'm Yahoo. gonna like a kappa. Oh, I'm gonna shut up. We're gonna make a show about the sexual preferences. Woo. <laughs> I'm going to make a show about my my childhood friend who has a boner for me. Woohoo! Oh, no. okay. oh, no. Shut up! Okay. Anyway, that's uh, that's on my that's on my nutshell. That's it's about gay Kappa who like eating ass. Let's move on. But it's also about gay Kappa who like who eating like, ass. Who like connecting people. It's also it's also a deep introspective look of desires and connections and how those affect the people around us. But you know, it's also about gay Kappa who like eating ass. So this is the mo- this is honest to God. This is like this is Ikuhara telling the Japanese uh, society to open the fuck up and start talking about sex. Okay. It's not bad. Shut yeah, up. Start, start talking about your desires. Start talking about your preferences. Don't be a fucking dweeb. Start talking to people. Make Only connections. Make connections. It. It's the Wi-Fi symbol. Get it? <laughs> because they're connecting. Okay. Ikuhara is anything but subtle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's damn good. Uh, yeah. Fucking Sazanwai, if anyone hasn't seen it, uh... You like gay Kappa who like eating ass? Watch <laughs> Sarazama, available now on Crunchyroll and Funimation. If I, if so I, what's up it, with the it, news, Matt? All right. And yeah, so the, the time for the news, we have two pieces of news, dudes. Oh uh, my God. We have only two pieces of nudes. Uh, nudes? nudes? We have two nudes? nudes. Excuse me? Two nudes. Fucking That's a first breaking news here on the gap. We have breaking two nudes. We present. have nudes. <laughs> Who sent us nudes? Was it the uh, egg guy? The egg man. That fucking egg guy. No, it was not the egg guy. Uh, I have not spoken to the egg guy because he blocked me <laughs> after fucking like immediately. <laughs> immediately. So I don't know where he is. I don't know. What he's doing, probably off of Twitter. He probably made that a Twitter account just to fucking do that. Of all the uh, things he could have done with his time, he was probably like twelve or thirteen or something. I don't know. He I don't spoiled the show that's five years old. Fuck you. That has the name in the title. Fuck you. Or picture on thumbnail. Sorry. Oh, f- fuck you. Uh. But yeah. Uh. 
so we have two pieces of news because uh, Anime Expo is coming up, and uh, so most of our news is going to be. So most of the big news is probably going to be saved for when Anime Expo inevitably hits and blows our socks off with an announcement or premieres. Uh, some of the stuff that is from there's a lot of stuff premiering there. My Hero's going to premiere there. Doctor Stone's going to premiere there. Fire Force. Uh, Fire Force going to premiere there. The Bunny Girl movie is going to be making its the, uh, its uh, American premiere there. Um, did, and they also confirmed you, that Bunny Girl will be getting a theatrical, really? at least American release. I don't know if it's coming to Canada. Um, also, but, uh, just side tangent, did you two watch the trailer that I put in anime? Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, sad as shit. I'm going to cry, Spencer. Yeah. And Adam said it perfectly. He's like, we did not watch these people get happy to see them sad. <laughs> no, we did not. Uh, something, Something's going to happen. I'm going to be very sad. Uh, the movie's apparently excellent, by the way. Premiered in Japan, apparently it's excellent. So. Sakuta's going to die. <laughs> I, I'm, calling, I'm, calling, I'm calling it now. Thanos kills Sakuta. <laughs> I've been calling it for <laughs> Thanos snaps on it, Sakuta. What? what? Just... Don't spoil it, Matthew. <laughs> I know, I've been calling it for years. Sakata will. Uh, this is this is the end game right here, boys. <laughs> We're in the, We're end, in the game end game. Now. We're in the end game now. <laughs> All right, let's talk Fuck about in. the news. <laughs> this has been a podcast. <laughs> let's talk about the news. Um, we have some. In- our first piece of news is industry industry news. Um. Uh, Cyber Agent, who is the parent company of the of Spencer Mania, who this is, the game developer Psy Games. Oh, Psy yes. Games. Um, yes, yeah, Psy Games. And streaming service com- uh, company Abema TV announced more details on Friday for a project called the CAA Animation, uh, which is a label that they're uh, going to be developing. Uh, uh, which is a which is what they're which is something they're developing with a group of with it with a group of uh, with a bunch of other people and it's going to be a multimedia project it will include anime video games music and other forms of entertainment they will be partnering with video content company avex pictures music creator group elements garden who did music for the simple gear franchise for simple gear and as well as Uta no prince sama and anime studio dogakobo who we best known as making the really weird pedo anime recently as mm. well as, as a well really as weird game. pedo anime recently well, i love it <laughs> Yeah, uh, as well as uh, as well as new game, uh, uh, as game and game developer of Wonder Planet will also be working on it. They are the people responsible for the Jump Punchy Heroes and Crash Fever smartphone games. Uh, this will be a project that will launch next year in 2020. Uh, this A label was founded in October uh, and will be focused primarily on producing original anime that are made specifically to start multimedia projects. Um, these are not so. Uh, the company will coordinate with Abema TV for its original anime content. Uh, Masi, uh, Masayawa o- uh, Ochi is the label's executive producer, and the general producer is Hiroyuki Tanaka, who was the producer of Wake Up Girls and Yuri on Ice. Um, mm. uh, so this is something that's been. So we're going to be getting. So mo- multimedia projects are very common nowadays. Based yes. on anime that are made specifically to start franchise, have no purpose other purpose than to start franchises. Um, that's literally that's for the uh, stuff like Lo- Love Live is a multimedia thing. You know that uh, that that fi- that anime about the girls who go to space to catch fish. Beyond oh, the between the sky, sky and sea. See? That yeah. was a multimedia project. That was yeah, because it was a mobile game first. Review is multimedia. 
Yeah, yeah. Technically, Review is a multimedia. Um, Some are more successful than others. Uh, Bang Dream, Love Live, Grand Blue Fantasy. Uh, Any all goddamn gotcha idol game. show. Gotcha Game. Anything that had a gotcha game first. Uh, if you want uh, to be technical, now Bungo is a multimedia franchise. It's got a fucking Mo- gotcha game. Yeah. <laughs> it's got a gotcha game that I might get. Uh, I want to pull Dazai. It's fun, okay? I enjoy it. Uh, I have. I also signed. Also, the Ma- Madoka Magica has a gotcha game now, which is finally coming to the states. Um, oh, and it it's does, also yeah. getting an anime based on it. If you think I won't watch that, oh, we're all watching. Are you kidding me? Okay, we're all watching it. No, That's dude, right. Shaft is coming back to animate it. It's the, wait, it's wait. some of the same. What? I'm sorry. What? Shaft yeah. is animating a gotcha game. A gotcha game off anime. Yeah, hell yeah, they yeah, are. yeah, and uh, yeah, and like the gotcha game spinoff too. From what I've read stuff. Okay, without spoiling, I've read stuff about it. Uh, this shit's good. Like, it's not like it's not half ass. Like random. Sh- this shit's really good, and it's canon too because they introduce a bunch of new magical girls, and all of them have like depressing ass backstories to go along with it. The, the the show that this game introduces like 50 new magical girls and counting and each of them gets their own like fucking storyline that you have that you can play through it's like watchdogs uh, lesions except sad little girls sad magical girls who die because <laughs> who are destined to die uh because madoka magica is v sad yeah go um, watch our podcast on it um but yeah, so we got we'll, we're gonna be get so so Psy Games is is they telling us, hey, we know we we'll make a fuck it, we'll make our own anime uh, yeah. now. Fuck it, why not? Everyone else is doing it. We got the money. We got the. I mean, we make a lot of money off of Love Live, so fuck uh, you. <laughs> so uh, uh, our our other piece of news is about Masi, um, Masaki Yusa, because of course it is. Goddamn um, Yusa. Uh, Japanese production company Saints Saru and, and production and distribution partner Asimic Ace announced on Wednesday that Masayusa would direct Inuo, a musical, a musical anime feature film adaptation of uh, Hideo Furukawa's uh, uh, Tales of the Heki Inuo novel. Um, uh, the novel was ri- uh, the the project story. Inuo was a Inuo was a real life figure, a, uh, a Sarugaku no performer and a playwright who was extremely popular in the 14th century. However, he is all but unknown to people nowadays because very few documents about his life survive. Now, around 600 years later, this Inuo project portrays the tales of brotherhood between the legend Inuo, who vanished from history, and a certain Biwa player, and is full of music and dance sequences. Uh, manga creator Ta- uh, Taiyo Matsumoto is drafting the original character designs for Inuo with a second collaboration with Yusa, who uh, who previously worked with him on the ping- on his a- on the adaptation of his own ping pong manga. Uh, Ak- uh, Akiko Nogi is writing her first anime film after scripting such live action as scripting a bunch of live action works, uh, and the. No, and uh, and the uh, no, and and current and currently the uh, film is set for a 2021 release date. Uh, so huh? we have to wait two years for this shit. Um, okay, because uh, Masuki Yusa already has stuff coming out this year and next year. Uh, More Devil Man. Uh, no Devil Man is in the pipeline. Apparently, it's a bunch of original stuff. More uh, Devil Man. 
you just want violence, Jack. I just want fucking uh, violence, Jack. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, you, uh, Shane would watch that in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would give a kidney to watch Violence Jack. I'd give two kidneys. He'd kill himself. To yeah. Watch. Yes. Okay. You would have to go on dialysis because just to get Violent Jack. And worth it in my eyes. Yeah. So, vi- so, but yeah, Muskyusa, the guy needs to stop working because he has like two yeah, projects man. in the works right now. Uh. I'm actually going to go look exactly what he has in the works. The only problem uh, with Uasa is that no matter how much he's working on, they all turn out fucking good. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah no, he has uh, he has uh, Kimito uh, Nami no Totore Tara out this year, which mm-hmm. is a movie. He has Inuo out in 2021. He's got a scene called Super... Sh- he's doing a fucking Crayon Sinchan thing. I'm uh, sorry, what? What? <laughs> He's doing a show called Super Shiro, and it's connected to Crayon Sinchan. Um, and he's doing a, uh, and he's doing uh, Iz- Izuzoken, uh, that show Izuzoken, which is about like the girls who make manga. Yeah, um, that we talked about has- a little while ago. Yeah, we talked about a little while ago. So he's doing all of that, and. Also, more Devil Man because we know that he is doing more Devil Man. We just don't know in what capacity. So, calm down, you said. Yeah. Like, calm. what? What the fuck is this? He's what? No, I, I think he looked it, up the crayon thing. No, no, no. It's Pop Team. Pop Team Epic Pop Up Shop hashtag Third Season. What the fuck? What are you talking about? Second... So. Are they... uh, Apparently, so it says, waited it will be held for the first time in the Northern Earth. By the kindness of Mr. Sapporo Parko, the first Hokokaido holding will be decided immediately from Friday, the 28th, next week. So, it's a pop team epic. Since the birth of the birth, a wish for three years, we look forward to seeing you there. What are you fucking talking about? Bikabokawa is basically, I think it's a fucking, like, like, pop team epic, um, like, fucking shopping mall. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's move on. Um, let's move on. And I think it's time, and that's all the news. That's all the news. Any new, yeah, no new, barely any news this Including week. Including the uh, pop team epic shopping mall, apparently. Dude, pop <laughs> team epic, man. Can't wait for that Coffee. third season before season two is even made. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, no, in Pop Team, they would do something like that. Yeah. Uh, just skip the second season and go straight to season the Season two would be Hoshin Girl Drop, and then season three would Hoshino. just be Pop Team Epic. Yeah. No, 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 what they do is they start on the third season, and it's Hoshin Girl Drop, and like five seasons of that have happened behind the scenes, <laughs> and we just have no idea what the hell's going on. I'd be down for that, though. Turn it into a fucking love- franchise. I'd do it. Yeah. I'd, I'd watch it. Unironically, yes. Make it a gacha I'm- game. <laughs> I think there's already a pop team gacha game. There is. It's amazing. Uh, it's it's literally you just get a bunch of uh, fucking uh, the plant things from fucking that one episode of Pop Team with the moth with the mafia plants. Yes. And the old bamboos and the bamboo and they- and they don't mean anything. Nope. You get like unlimited orbs. 
it's time to move on, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's time I, to move on. I love pop games. So, time to talk about our featured animes of the podcast. And we're doing something a little bit different. Uh, we instead, we're not going to be covering one particular... We're not covering a show. We're covering a person. Uh, we're going to be doing a director show... Uh, our first uh, director showcase. And it's and it'll be on uh, the uh, the anime director, Mamoru Hosoda. Uh, if you don't know his work, uh, Mamoru Hosoda is a director who very who has recently uh, been one of the most popular anime directors in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um Basically, if there's a film by him, people will go see his films just because it is by Mamoru Hosoda. Uh, and he has made, and he is so he's made a name for himself for making uh, very, very good films as well as very emotionally charged films. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we're going to be talking about it today. We're going to be going through his career, going through the stuff he's made, and talking about his films. Uh, we're going to be talking about the. We're going to mainly be talking about the five films you see on the. On screen right now. Uh, however, we will be briefly touching on some other projects that he has worked on before that uh, as well. So, Hosoda was born in Tokoyama, Japan. Uh, this was uh, Tokoyama, Japan. Uh, you'll know that because to- many of his uh, many of his films actually take place there. Um, his father worked as a railway engineer. Uh, now, Shane understands uh, some stuff from Mirai. Um, uh, his father worked as a railway engineer, as his mother was a tailor. Uh, Hosoda uh, uh, was inspired to become an animator because he because of Studio Ghibli, specifically uh, Castle of Cagliostro, Lupin the Third, Castle of Cagliostro, uh, which was, as we all know, was directed was the feature film directorial debut of Hayao Miyazaki, um, who came in and directed it. Um, he eventually and, and not and surprisingly, he did not major in animation though. Uh, he did not major in animation. He did not initially intend to go in animation. He actually want he actually initially was an oil painter of all things, uh, which is what I find. I locked Wi Fi on my fucking laptop. I figured. I I I figured because uh, you weren't saying anything. I'm gonna try to fix it. So for now, I'm on my phone. here. I am still here. All right. Good. Uh, so he ma- originally majored in oil painting. He was originally going to be an oil painter. However, it is very, but uh, of course, but uh, but of course, um, you get you you graduate somewhere. You got to get a job somewhere. Um, and he was able to get a job at uh, at Toei, at Toei, because he submitted a short film there in his uh, in a spare t- in his spare time. Uh, he made a little like little animation shorts, and he submitted it, and he got a job at Toei. Um, uh, he, uh, he also submitted to Studio Ghibli. He did not get in, but he did get a rejection letter from Miyazaki himself saying that if he improved, he would be accepted. So... Wow. <laughs> Way to shit uh, on his hopes and dreams, Miyazaki. Miyazaki. Look, man, Miyazaki is a very blunt man. Um, like, look, he is very- what you sent us, terrible. If you can make it but- better, we might consider you. No, no, terrible. But you have potential. <laughs> uh, you have more potential than my son. Join us. Yeah. <laughs> during time at Toei, during time at Toei, he was mainly in charge of direct. He was mainly, of course, uh, he directed a bunch of stuff. Um, he was a key. Uh, mainly, he worked as a key animator for small sections. Uh, he was best. He was a key animator on several parts of Dragon Ball Z. 
Uh, he worked uh, specifically the both the first two Broly movies. Actually, he was a key I'm, animator on. I'm interested to know exactly what parts he animated because uh, he was the he head key animator on it. That's all it, that a uh, head key animator, um, hmm. head of key animation, which means he probably did a lot of the major action scenes. I would imagine so. Um, that's probably my guess. Um, he also worked on Galaxy Express 99, uh, 999. Uh, he was also the key animator on Dragon Ball Path to Power, which is the Dragon Ball film uh, that was made for the 10th anniversary of the, seri- of the series uh, that adapts the first section of, of the original Dragon Ball manga. Uh, he was the key animator on, on uh, several sections of Sailor Moon, including Sailor Moon Super S the movie. He, he was the key animator on the Yu Yu Hakusho movie uh, for mm-hmm. Studio Perot. Um, and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, he eventually ended up becoming a. He eventually beca- he eventually uh, became a major animator on Digimon. Um, he worked on several episodes of Digimon, uh, and he eventually directed uh, two uh, small like little films for Digimon, including the first Digimon Adventure film as well as Digimon Adventure or War Game, uh, which, for if you are a Digimon fan, you will know eventually did make its way over to the States with Digimon mm-hmm. the movie as the first two sections of that film, uh, uh, with, the, with the third section being the Digimon Adventure 02 film that was put in. So technically, Hosoda's first directorial film in this, uh, that was released to us was Digimon the movie. Spencer owns Digimon the movie. We will On not be DVD. covering Digimon the movie. Fuck you. <laughs> Cause I don't because I don't because I don't want us to cover Digimon the movie to be because I don't know if Shane knows anything about Digimon the movie. Bitch, I wa I'd watched Digimon when I was a kid, not very much of it, but I did. <laughs> yes, but did you How watch much? the the brilliance of Digimon the movie with Kids of America as the soundtrack? I had uh, one. I don't remember which one, but I had one of them on VHS. Or the kids There's only in one America. Digimon movie. So then like, it was probably that one. Because <laughs> Digimon the movie was made because, as we all know, Pokemon and Digimon were a big rivalry at the time. And Pokemon mm-hmm. had just released its first feature film uh, in the States, uh, Pokemon the first movie. Um, and they yeah. made a butt-ton of money. It's still, to this day, the highest grossing anime time in the states when adjusted for inflation it actually make more they made more than what detective pikachu is making now that's how big it was um and so so and warner brothers was owns the right the pokemon the rights to pokemon um into in for theatrical releases well 20th century fox is in charge of digimon and if they wanted to get in on that action uh so what they did was they quickly jumped something up with a bunch of the smaller Digimon movies and released it literally eight months later in, in order to cash in on the on the popularity of Pokemon and didn't do very well, obviously, because these things never turn out well if you do it like that. Um, no. No. No, um, they didn't. Yeah, so, but uh, Marvel Hosa was in charge of that. Uh, after directing Digimon, the, however, Digimon the movie did get something good in that, in that it did attract the eye of of uh, Studio Ghibli, who was looking for someone to direct their film Howl's Moving Castle. Um, as after Spirited Away, uh, Miyazaki made, announced his intention that he was going to retire, um, in air quotes, 
Uh, of course, we all know that didn't stick out. But uh, he announced his intention to retire, so they needed a director for Howl's Moving Castle. Uh, Mabara Hosoda uh, uh, was, was, uh, was uh, approached to direct, and he agreed. So initially, Mabara Hosoda was going to direct Howl's Moving Castle. However, there were disagreements between him and Studio Ghibli as he was found as, instead of getting Hosoda to do Hosoda, they got him to do Miyazaki, pretty much. They wanted a new Miyazaki, and they thought that they Hosoda could be the next Miyazaki, pretty much. Just copy his style, emulate everything he does, uh, just make just make it look like Miyazaki, and you'll be good. Hosoda didn't like that, so he left in the summer of 2002, which caused House Movie Castle to be laid by six months, and Miyazaki had to step in to save the project, uh, which could explain why House Movie Castle is probably one of Miyazaki's weaker films, to be completely honest with you. Uh, but Ironic how after that fiasco, Hosoda went on to basically become the new Miyazaki in his own way. You know, by doing mm-hmm. his own thing. Who knew? Uh, uh, who knew? Um, uh, because, uh, but instead, uh, he re- and after that, he returned to Toei, and he ended up directing the sixth One Piece film, Baron Otoma- uh, Omatsuri and the Secret Island, which is notorious among One Piece fans for being one of uh, being the darkest entry in the series to the point where uh, we see Zoro's head get chopped off and his eyeballs gouged out. Uh, Very in cool. Yeah, and I, mm. at least in the Dreamlight sequence, the film is still the the film is still very uh, polarizing among One Piece. The film is still very polarizing among One Piece fans, mainly not just for that, of course, uh, for its darker elements, but also its art style changed to fit Hosoda's animation style. Uh, it's a uh, different sense of humor. It's a little bit more drier than the ser- than the series and. No, you know, as well as you know, as, no, as well as the fact that Oda notoriously does not like it. Um, so, uh, so it's a little bit of a polarizing film. However, the people who love it really love it. I personally think it's great. Um, I, I, I it's, want to watch it at some point. It is currently, uh, however, it is currently unlicensed due to the licensing fiasco with Toei. To- it's hard to get older Toei properties over to the states and North America. And Funimation had has been trying to get the one some of the older One Piece films over, um, including this one. However, it has been unable to. I really want this one over. Yeah. Uh, it uh, over. You can probably. However, it do- was released in UK briefly as a sub only release, so you can probably find a. You can probably find it online somewhere. That's how I watched it. It's online somewhere. And I highly recommend you all check it out at some point. It's very good. It's one of the. It's actually top three One Piece films. It's really good. I uh, expect nothing less from Hosoda, to be honest. Hosoda. Yeah, it's Hosoda. It is a little odd seeing a, such a dark story in One Piece, to be honest. Uh, especially since this is the only time in One Piece history that Luffy outright kills somebody. Um, so it is a. It's a little bit. It's definitely on the darker side, and it's definitely a little. It's a little when when you watch, you come out kind of like hat, but it's very good. I really enjoyed it. Um, of course, he ended up, and eventually he ended up leaving Toei as he got a deal with Madhouse. Um, uh, he uh, he uh, he got a deal with Madhouse. Uh, to direct a film, uh, to direct a film they had been working on for quite a while, an adaptation of a famous Japanese novel, *The Girl Who Left Through Time*, which, was, of course, that book was released in 1967. And Mamoru Hosoda came on to direct it, 
completely revamped the project, got a new screenwriter, Sakuto Okudera, to write it for him. And that's the first one we're going to be talking about today. Uh, Go Who Left With Time, is uh, it was directed by him and written by Sakuto Okudera. It was from Studio Madhouse and, and was released on July 15, 2006. Uh, and if you want to watch it, it is currently on Funimation. His website, you can go find it in the link in the in the doobly doo. Um, nice, and, nice, Matthew. Uh, yes, the doobly doo. Um, and you can go find and you can go find it uh, as well as most of Hosoda's films uh, are on uh, Funimation's website, with exception of one. And we'll get to that when we get to that. Uh, Go who left for time follows uh, Makoto Kono, who is your standard uh, Japanese high school girl, who one day after. Uh, after a, a bike accident, jumps in front of a train, and it, but instead of dying, finds out that she can leap small sections in time. She can go back in time for brief time for brief sections by basically just leaping and like jumping. Uh, she uses this, of course, like any good high school student would do, to just fuck around and do whatever the hell she wants, pretty much, um, until of course her accents come back. To, uh, 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 her actions come back to, uh, basically, uh, to haunt her pretty much. Shane, what do you think of the girl who left food? To- uh, uh, how do? You- what do you think of the girl who left food time? I think this was so, the first post of the film we watched. Well, yeah, sure. I watched. I I didn't see any of his older stuff, like the One Piece movie or any of that. So I started with yeah. this one, like I assume most people did. Um, yeah. on first viewing, I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed it. There the. The only issues I really had with it was the stuff with the time travel because when I first watched it, the st- the stuff with the time travel really didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. It w- it felt like it was kind of just there, but mm-hmm. on on second viewing, I have a different perspective on that now, and now I think it's one of my favorite of his works because it's really damn good. Yeah, it's really dim. Uh, yeah, uh, Spencer, what do you think of Go Who Left Your Time? So I had never, to my knowledge, seen a a Hosoda film. Uh, I didn't know he he directed two thirds of the Digimon film. <laughs> but looking back at it, yeah, no, it makes sense. Um, <laughs> so uh, this was actually my first look into Maura Hosoda. I mean, you're talking to a guy who now actually has not seen any Shinkai films, uh, so I should probably get on that next. But I was blown away, okay? I, I'm just going to come out there and say, this is my favorite. This is my favorite Mamoru Hosoda film. His first. The Girl Who Leapt Through Time is a balancing act of teenage drama mixed with the right amount of science fiction mixed with d- d- sad, <laughs> sad, sad, mixed with just the perfect. I'm going to go out there and say it. This job is one of the best, okay? <laughs> this job is spot fucking on. <laughs> and the story, the twist, the sad, it just all works really well, and just the sad. It's just the sad. That that's going to be coming up a lot because all of his films are sad. Um, it's just it just works, man. It's just really fucking good, and I was 
blown away by the art, by the music, by the cinematography, by the fact that that the closer a character is to the camera, the more detailed they are. And the the, the symbolism, it just works. It just works, Matthew. Yeah. It just works. It is right. I love this film. I absolutely love this film. It was not the first host of a film I watched. Uh, it was the second one. Um, it was the second one I watched. Uh, and I absolutely, I absolutely fucking love it. I love how tight this movie is. It's 98 minutes, moves at a clip. Uh, it's, uh, you know, and it's, it has, it's just long enough that you get like, a, you, that you, it's able to breathe, but it's just short enough that it doesn't outstay its welcome. And it's, it's like the, per, it's like the perfect length. Uh, and I give that, and I give a lot of props to Sakuta Okudera for that. Her script is absolutely fantastic here. Mm-hmm. Um, her script is great. And Hosa's direction is brilliant. Uh, I love his, I love how he blocks his scenes constantly in his movies. Um, uh, this would also not be the first. This would not be the first time he used time travel. He uses time. He used time travel again in Mirai. Uh, uh, this would also be the first. This would also be the start to his famous art. St- uh, who to his must? Who to his now uh, trademark art style, which is a sketch, which is sketchy, kind of little, uh, a little uh, rough. Rougher than standard uh, other anime uh, mm-hmm. directors, uh, and uh, here it's very noticeable because characters will have like, like I said, no faces like far away. I uh, would just have no faces, but they'll just be animated. But they'll be animated just like they were like close up. Mm-hmm. Uh, he only puts emphasis on faces if the char- character is important in the, in that particular shot in the scene at the time. Uh, so you know which characters is important at the time. Uh, this film's great. Uh, I have, uh, and it's it. What I find odd about it is that, but there's one thing odd about it is that in terms of his filmography, it's actually very different from the rest of his filmography. As Shane mm-hmm. will constantly point out with Hosoda, uh, Hosoda has a very specific theme, and Go Who Left Food Time doesn't really follow that. Uh, mainly because it's based on a book. Uh, it's his only work. It's his only like major work that's not that's an adaptation and it's not an original story. Um, and you can kind of tell because um, it's a little bit different in tone compared to his other works. Uh, but it's got that same vibe to it. Anything you want to add, Shane, to that or not? Really, you basically echoed everything I feel about this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like uh, Go Who Left Who Time is pretty much it was the first uh, Go Who Left Who Time was was odd among um, animation features at the time in Japan, as it received unlike most animated film films, it received very limited advertising. Uh, Madhouse didn't really have a lot of faith in the film. Uh, fun fact: uh, they thought it wasn't going to do very well, uh, so they literally so they mostly left it out house out out how like the art house section of. Uh, of Japan. And I um, mean, to Madhouse, it makes sense. An adaptation on a book from the 60s with a director who isn't really well known, like, yeah, I do get what, what, where they're coming from. What were they wrong? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, but uh, word of mouth and very positive reviews ended up uh, propelling the film to the point where there were, um, uh, lineups for days on end at some film at some uh 
at some movie theaters to get the film. Because of that, there were a number of theaters. Uh, uh, because because of that, Kadokawa, who was a who was the head distribution company for the film, uh, was re got really really confident in the film and then expanded to the other theaters and actually submitted the film for international festivals. What how it ended up coming to to North America, where it got picked up uh, by Ocean by by guy picked up by Kadokawa Pictures US. And then dub was dubbed by Ocean Productions, a Canadian dubbing company, um, and was a, and was initially released by Bandai, uh, which then went out of print. And then Funimation picked it up in 2016 and re-released it as part of their Hosoda collection, which you can buy the Blu-ray with a really beautiful fucking slipcover uh, in the Hosoda collection. Highly recommend you get that because it's really good and it's got a lot of e- cool extras and stuff. Funimation has done a fantastic job releasing these things. Uh, so highly recommend you go check that out. Guhala Futime ended up winning the Japanese Academy Prize for animation, the first ever animation of the year from Japan, uh, beating out beating out uh, Ghibli's film from that year, which was Tales from Earthsea, which is also the worst film. So uh, not so not surprised it beat it out. Um, uh, but that was a big deal for Hosoda as uh, Madhouse lo- uh, impressed with the work there. Uh, Madhouse uh, was asked by uh, the uh, the uh, by asked by Warner Brothers to produce something new uh, with Hosoda and writer Sakura Okudera, um, and Madhouse decided, you know what, Hosoda, just do whatever the fuck you want. And Hosoda, uh, Hosoda like uh, cracked his knuckles and says, "Bet." So he make so he makes uh, the science fiction action uh, comedy family film Summer Wars, which was released in on August first, two thousand and nine, um, and is also currently licensed by Funimation. Now, Summer Wars is an interesting beast, as Summer Wars uh, is was a very personal film to uh, Hosoda, uh, as Hosoda was uh, most of the film was set. Uh, he made set the film in Uda, where. Um, uh, Uda, which is close to where Hosoda was born in Toyama, um, and Hosoda's and Hosoda and the social network that was uh, that in the film named Oz came from a large supermarket that he once visited years ago, once uh, that he somehow remembered existed. Um, give it to Hosoda; he's got a good memory, I guess. Yeah, uh, and he he noted and apparent and he he denied that it was based on Second Life, as many people thought it was thought it was based on. Uh, he, but he instead cited the Japanese social networking me- website Mixi as a primary Im- influence on him um, in, in making Oz. Uh, uh, he also cited his inf- the, the and also the reason why he uh, 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 and during production, Hosoda visited his then fiance's house in Ueda um, and experienced the history of his her family's life, which is what caused him to. Uh, have a focus on family in the film, um, <laughs> as well as his, as well as attending several film festivals, is what made him uh, want to make a film about family. As he was away from his family for large chunks of time, attending film festivals around the world, promoting Goho Lefu Time, and thus he missed his family. So he decided that he was going to make a film about family and the importance of family. Uh, and uh, so, and they gave him carte, and because they gave a carte blanche initially. Uh, the family in this is huge, but there was initially going to be 80 cast members, 80 family members in the film, 
And uh, that's when you told me that I was like, all right, Hosoda, chill the fuck out. Calm uh, down. <laughs> uh, of course, uh, 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 Madhouse said uh, no. No. And, no. and, uh, and uh, Hosoda decided no. Um, so he decided... Um, uh, so pretty much... Um, so, so, so Summer Wars is set in... I wouldn't say the present, probably like near future. Said in the near future, where the where there's a social networking site like program called Oz. It's basically basically think of uh, if you've ever read Ready Player One, it's like the Oasis, pretty much. Uh, you can kind of do pretty much anything on it. Uh, everyone's bank account is also connected to it. Everything, everything, every technological thing is connected to Oz at this point through like because of social networking and I'm all that. I'm gonna kill stuff. everybody and then myself. <laughs> all right <laughs> all right um uh, uh the the uh the the film follows kenji who is a student at a who is of course as per usual at this point a high school student who is a math genius and he's also a part-time moderator in oz uh he is invited by his uh, by by his uh by his uh fellow student and also crush natsuki who uh, to participate in her grandmother's 90th birthday because of a series of wacky circumstances, he needs to pretend that he is her boyfriend. Uh, whoa! Whoa! <laughs> fiance. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, fian- not just boyfriend, fiance. Friend. Fiance, we get they married, Granny. Married. Whoa! Granny. Uh, and then and I hope she doesn't die. And he got the pervy uncle who's like, so when's the baby coming? Uh, and, you guys fucked, right? And <laughs> the fun-loving aunt that hits the pervy uncle and it's like, oh, stop it. Let the boy uh, have some space. Uh, let, let let the couple have some space. Let them fucking be. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but while this is happening and all, he meets his family, something goes very very wrong. He gets a code from a e- he gets a mathematical code from an email that he deduces that eventually ends up causing Oz to essentially get hacked by a mysterious virtual intelligence known as Love Machine. Love, Love Machine, Machine is hacking people's accounts and is causing and is holding them basically hostage. And if they don't stop and Love and if they don't stop Love Machine, it could cause more devastation than just losing your account to Oz. It could cause traffic accidents, uh, everyone's bank account, everyone to lose their money in their accounts, as well as nuclear power plants exploding, causing millions of people to die. Um, so, <sighs> all right. Don't you hate when that happens? Yeah. Uh, as you can tell from the synopsis, there's a lot going on in Summer Wars. Uh, there's a lot going on in Summer Wars. Shane, what did you think of Summer Wars? I really like Summer Wars, uh, especially in terms of the family aspect, because starting with this film, all of Hosa's movies from here on out have that underlying theme of family, what family means and how family operates, and I really like that direction he's taken. (laughs) However, this movie is a weird one, because, like Matt told me, it's kind of two different movies going on simultaneously, and... (laughs) There's a part of me that thinks that if you took Oz completely out of the picture, it could work just as well. Because if you made the entire movie 
about the family drama with Kenji and Natsuki lying to the family about them being a couple, and then Granny's death being the major conflict. I feel like that could have been just as good on its own. But then you throw Oz in there, and Oz kind of muddles things a little bit, even though I really love the concept of Oz and the social commentary on display there. Like, how would things go if we everything was connected? Like, and, people would probably die. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I my... really like that aspect of Oz. However, Oz is my major issue with this movie, because everything with Oz... I don't I don't know how to describe this, but everything with Oz is kind of I don't know. It it, it just doesn't work in some aspects for me, especially when we get later on where things like nuclear holocaust are about to happen and I'm like all right, this is happening. What happened to the family film? Like where are we now? And a nuclear holocaust is about to happen and they need to win before a game of fucking koi koi whatever the hell that is. Like they, they like it, go, it goes from it goes from the traffic lights not working to hey, this motherfucker's going to crash a satellite into a nuclear plant and blow the planet up and it's like, "Huh? How did we get here?" And because of that, it's got some really weird pacing issues. But overall, I still really like it because it's Spencer, hosted. Duh. Yeah, Spencer, what do you think of Summer Wars? Beginning of the podcast, I mentioned that dream I had that made me change around. Yeah. Nuclear yeah. Holocaust. It was about Summer Wars. Uh-huh. I, when I first watched Summer Wars, uh, first off, I made the incredibly poor decision to watch Summer Wars and Wolf Children on the same day and was fucking <laughs> depressed. I was depressed for the rest of the day, by the way. I was fucking sad and I had no idea why I was sad. And I was like, oh, wait. I just spent, like, four hours watching people be sad. <laughs> I spent two of those hours watching the fucking... One of the most depressing movies I've ever watched. Um, but I was completely wrong on, on my first take of Summer Wars. I love Summer Wars. Like, I love it. Maybe it's because I was a Digimon kid, and King, uh, King Cosma is basically a Digimon... And the and villain is the is the villain's the villain for Digimon the movie. Yeah, it's a virus. Um, maybe I just really like the the family dynamic in in this one. You don't see a lot of big families in Japanese movies, yeah. especially big rural families like old like as they've stated. We go back to like the Muramasa period. Like that that's like the turn of like the. 16th century that's the 1500s so talking about how you know the uh the oh god what, what are they called the, the Genoichis. the Genoichis, uh but how like they faced off against the the, the, the tokugawa tokugawa yeah. they faced off against tokugawa and they and like how the uncle is like hyped and you can tell all the personalities of these people, like you can tell that the uncle gets drunk all the time. It has told that story probably like sixty or seventy times this month. You <laughs> could tell, like, you could tell that. Sorry, uh, you could wow, tell. Wow, Wars is putting them to sleep. Apparently, you can, no. You can tell that the police guy hates his fucking job. Yeah, uh, you can tell that the police guy hates his job. You can tell that, like, like the baseball player puts his heart and soul into pitching when it's like 
the hottest day of the year and he's still out there pitching a full game. Like that's insane. Like all of these people have a personality in a no, part there out on the field pitching in the hot sun after he finds out that his grandma passed like his like grandmother passed away. Yeah, his great his grandmother passed away and like like so like all of this just fits and yes, I can see that it 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 would work better as two separate movies. Cause it, cause it would, but um, mm-hmm. it's it just it it's jumped up a bunch of places. Mm-hmm. It's now originally it was number five, mm-hmm. now it's number three. Oh shit! Ooh, <gasps> ooh, that's good. Uh, keep, uh, keep in mind, I'm obviously gonna state to everybody. Uh, at least for my list, number five isn't bad. Number five is still a nine out of ten, but <laughs> it's just not a ten. Yeah, fuck it. To me, Summer Wars represents what I love in a that I feel Hosoda is. This is Hosoda fully unleashed, and I love it. It's Hosoda with his full ambitions on on like on display. Him wanting to base he him. Basically making the movie he's I feel like he's been wanting to make for so long. Um especially since it has so much and it's got it's got elements that would it's got elements from his previous work, elements that would come in later in his work. Like it's pretty much exactly like if you want the quintessential host of the film, I honestly watched Summer Wars first. Because it's pretty much exactly the film that I'm pretty sure that host that uh, it's it's the it's the most hosted of hosted of um, it is the absolutely his most host of the film. Um, also, uh, this movie has the best grandma of all time. And fucking Granny was- is a badass. She's like, you bitch, Wabiske, you walked down on us for ten years, and all of a sudden you're back here. Let me grab the spear off the wall. Oh, fucking also, get out of my yeah. house. <laughs> Heard calling everybody and being like, get you off your fucking asses. <laughs> A family cleans up its own messes. Clean this fucking mess that I just made. Fuck you. I'm going to bed. (laughs) Fucking, uh, fucking, uh, fucking, uh, fucking, I love this fat. Yeah, this family is fucking great. I have, this also has this, this also has the happiest ending for any of us. Oh, yeah. Which makes it infinitely rewatchable. We Um, stopped nuclear fallout, guys. Yay! Yeah, yeah, they stopped nuclear fallout. I love, I love the romance in it, too. I think it's really cute. Uh, they have really good ke- like uh, Kenji and Natsuki have really good chemistry. Uh, yes. Yeah. Hosoda oh my! Are- what? I just you just because you mentioned them. You remembered the fucking scene where like Natsumi is like tearing up and she's just like Kenji, hold me please. <laughs> yeah. And I'm and- like my heart fucking broke, dude. And uh, fucking, you just see the fucking, and, you, and she he like grabs her pinky at first, and it's like just the slow build. Anyone who's ever been in a relationship can relate to that fucking scene right there. Yep. Everybody, yep. if you've if you have ever been in like a height, like uh, like not just high, there's any any relationship, and that is, scene is infinitely relatable. Um, it's absolutely great. And I love, and I love, and I love, and Hosoda needs to do another straight romance film. I'm just saying, because mm-hmm. he does romance really well, and he hasn't really done a romance since, 
like a romance style film since Summer Wars. Summer Wars is ostensibly has a is almost a romance film in a lot of ways too, just like how uh, Go Her Left Through Time was. And he hasn't done anything like that since Summer Wars. Uh, so I hope that his next one is maybe that. Uh, but yeah, that's what we think of Summer Wars. It's great. Uh, I do think that it. I do agree with Shane. It's a little bit disjointed, mm-hmm. but honestly, when both, I can't complain too much when both, both parts of the film are so good. <laughs> They're both so good. I don't really care. This film's also badass as fuck. Uh, King Cosma yeah. is the best Digimon. I don't give a shit. Yeah, this movie's badass. Uh, this movie's absolutely fucking badass. Uh, of course, this movie this movie was heavily anticipated because of the popular success, because of how well Gohola for Time did. Uh, Summer Wars was widely anticipated in Japan at the time. Um, it, in fact, it is still one of the fastest uh, pre-sales movies of all time in Japan. Uh, and it made a lot of money in Japan when it came out. Um, for an original film, it was a surprising amount of... It was surprisingly successful. Um and they did a similar thing in Japan to Goho Left for Time 2. They rolled it out slowly. They didn't just put it out in the ad, like wide release. They started out in limited release and then slowly expanded, which made uh, word of mouth expand on how good it was come out. And again, it also won, similar to Goho Left for Time, it won Animation of the Year at the Japanese Academy, uh, which is basically the equivalent of the Academy Awards over here. And Hosoda, what, this gave Hosoda the... Uh, the full, uh, the full ability to leave Madhouse, and he founded his own studio, Studio Chizu, um, uh, and with the help of Madhouse, uh, because yeah, he started work on this movie with Madhouse. Uh, he started this. He started work on this movie at Madhouse, uh, but then moved to Studio Chizu by the halfway through his production. He made his third film, and what is regarded by many um, as possibly his best, um, and that's Wolf Children which premiered in Japan on July 21st, uh, 2012, uh, and was co- it was written by Sakuta, uh, also written by Sakuta Okadera, as well as Mamoru Hosoda, um, and was, you know, and is currently licensed by Funimation. Wolf Children follows a college student named Hana who falls in love with a mysterious man uh, who later found, who later reveals himself to be a wolf man. Um, uh, the two of them, of course, the two of them fall in love, and through and some stuff happens, and they have two kids. Um, that stuff, uh, by the way, was them fucking. Yeah, and they, uh, they don't fuck, and, and they and they don't, uh, and, they, and they don't uh, skip around the bush either. Like uh, he fucking either. penetrates her with his giant engorged wolf penis. I'm sorry. Stop it. Stop. <laughs> Nobody asked for this. But it happened, Spencer. You have to deal with that. You see the beginning of it happen, too. He is in his wolf form, too. So they, they, he, she fucked a wolf, guys. No, no, and no, and it's heavily implied, though, that, uh, that the that the pregnancy happened a little while after that. So they did it multiple times, too, more than likely. Um, but they have two children, a daughter, Yuki, and a son, Ame. Uh, unfortunately, the father uh, tragically passes away uh, in an accident, leaving Hana as a single mother with two kid with two wolf kids that are both part human, part wolf, with no idea how to care for them. To sh- uh, care for them, as of course, since they're part wolf, 
how the hell do you how the hell do you treat them? Do you bring them to a fucking pediatrician? Like like they could turn into a wolf there and freak the fuck out. Do you bend into a vet? Well, no, you can't because they're part human. So what the hell are you supposed to do? Uh, that scene is girl, unironically kind of funny. When she's just I, I like, think it was supposed. I think it was supposed to be funny. When it, she's it just like, like she has was. Yuki in her arms, and then she's like going back and forth between the hospital and the vet. Like, fuck, what do I do? <laughs> yeah, I think I think that the way it was edited and shot, I think it was supposed to be kind. Like it was supposed to be like that kind of like, oh, this is <laughs> like in the moment it's not funny for her, but I have a feeling like in the future that's going to be a, for like Hana where she. Looks back on that and be like, oh, that was, like, 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 as far put to context, Yuki ate a silica pack because uh, you know, child, and and she's like, I I need to go to bring it to the doctor because that's acting this very bad. But then it's like, wait a minute, how is Yuki? And Yuki just looks at her, and it's like, I'm hungry, and turns out she's just fine. <laughs> she's just fine because you know, a child. Um, so yeah, this movie basically just follows the life of these two kids as they grow up with her with their mother. And that's pretty much it. The movie doesn't really have the big grand story to it. Uh and Shane, uh what do you think of Wolf Children? Cuz <laughs> This movie I like to dub I cry every time because holy oh, yeah. fucking god. Uh this movie is so sad. It's so sad. This movie is easily hosted as best, and nothing mm. he has done before or since will ever top it. Like, it is the perfect movie, the perfect story of a family desperately struggling to stay together against impossible odds. A story of coming of age, growing up, finding your place in the world, and it's all fucking melancholic as shit. And I, I I get depressed every time I watch this movie, but by the end, I have this weird, uplifting feeling. Like, I'm happy that they all found their place in the world and that they're all happy now, but they went through so much sad stuff to get there, man. <laughs> and I cry every time. I'm trying <laughs> not to cry right expensive. now, actually. Oh, oh dear lord. Uh, yeah, no, this movie, just thinking about this movie makes me want to tear up. Well, I spent it. What do you think of Wolf Children? Listen, man. Watching this immediately after Summer Wars <laughs> was the dumbest thing <laughs> I have ever done in my entire life. <laughs> and I want you all to know that there is nobody else in this world that I blame except for myself. Well said. Well said. Uh, oh my god, it's so sad. <laughs> now, unlike these two babies, I did not fall. I wow. did. Wow, then you're a up. fucking soulless piece of shit. <laughs> I did tear up a couple times, but I think Summer Wars had kind of just numbed me just enough that I was like, okay, Hosoda. I know your game. I'm not going to get attached to anybody. I then, can feel your your fucking drama coming. And then, boom! Yuki accidentally attacks a child. And we're like, oh shit. Where'd that wolf come from? Fuck! 
Fuck. I, then, lo- I love that scene. I love the music in that scene, by the way, uh, because I love how it, it almost feels like apparent that that scene is uh, if you if you listen to the music, uh, uh, the composer made it as a twisted version of the uh, and it's really fucking good. Like, uh, I'll get I'll get into my little rant in this uh, after Spence is done. But uh, this this will be sad. It'll be real sad. And, you know, we live in a society that is sad. And this is sad. Hey, Shane. Yeah? Uh, I, 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 I don't want to watch this movie again. Oh, d- I, d- mm. Joke's on you. I've seen it six times. And after watching it this time, I can't confirm on the podcast. This is my favorite fucking movie of all time. Like, I ain't even fucking beating around the bush anymore. This movie is fucking incredible. Holy God. Um, Like, every time I watch this movie, I find something new to love about it. This time in particular, this movie has, like, no dialogue in it at all. Fucking none. Like, like, I don't don't understand how he did it. Like, there's barely any talking. And when there is, it's only when it's absolutely necessary. It's like mundane shit. It's like, oh, let's go to the park. Or, oh. You want to come with, do you want to come to work with me, Ame? You can see the wolf. I like wolves. That's pretty much all the diet that's open. It's all realistic dialogue that you would actually hear in real life. It's all mundane talk. It's all... It's like it's like stuff you would hear like in an actual comp like just like standard everyday conversation. Um, also, fun fact: Did you know that the character designer for Wolf Children did the character designs for Evangelion? Um, I, you know oh, what? Now that you mention that, I can. They actually look like Eva. Yeah, characters. actually. Um, yeah. Um, probably, uh, but this movie, this movie is sad, but not like in a like a visceral like death. Sad, like fucking, like Grave of the Fire. It's not like Grave of the Fireflies. Sad, where you just watch it and you just feel like dead afterwards. Oh no! This is the epitome of guess what? Everything that you love is going to either die or leave you, including your son, who's a part wolf. Deal with it, woman. <laughs> your son is going to tap into his animal instincts and want to go live in the mountains. You're just gonna have to accept it when it comes. Yeah. Guess what? Yeah, he's best friends and, and takes sage advice from a fox. Who gives a shit? <laughs> Sensei, uh, I'm coming for you. <laughs> it's raining. I understand. Your your son's going to be fine. What about your daughter? Who She's at, at school. She's at school with a boy that she probably likes. And fucking... I, I yeah. love how in that entire scene, whenever they're at the school, they're like, are we just living here now? Is this our house? And he's like, probably. I'm like, that felt you very, fucking that felt kids. <laughs> That felt realistic for kids, though, because they're, like, how old are they? They're, like, grade three or something? They're pretty young. No, they're, like, yeah, they're, like, grade six. six. They're, like, 12, I think. They're, like, 12. They're 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 still pretty damn young, though. So, like... Okay, actually, Wolf Children is the perfect example of something that I want to bring up. Hosida writes children. (laughs) Hosida writes teenagers. (laughs) When these people speak... Unlike in America, where it's a 30-year-old playing a 16-year-old, it's it feels like Hosida talked to a 16-year-old and or was a 16-year-old at some part in his life. Honestly, All I think the- that's bullshit because I think Hosida just exists in the ether. 
<laughs> he doesn't age. But like, yeah, all... no, dude, dude. Apparently, he he's looked like, like the same age for like the past ten years. So, <laughs> all of the things that all of the ages that Hosoda writes, they speak like the age that they are. When mm-hmm. when Ami was talking as a baby, <laughs> and Yuki was talking as a teenager, they sounded different. Uh, it's great. It's so fucking breath. It, it's a breath of fresh air to see a movie actually write ages properly. Because I'm sick and tired of Hollywood putting a fucking thirty year old into the role of an eighteen year old, and it's like you're not fooling anybody. You don't know how to write a teenager. <laughs> a fucking uh, I. I, I love how, like, the, the realistic dialogue here. I love how this movie... This movie's not, like, overtly sad, but it's sad in a much more... It's sad in a much more subtle way in that the entire film doesn't feel like... The film covers a lot, like, 12 years, 12 to 14 years of time mm-hmm. over the course of, like... I want to say, like, over the course of two hours... And it doesn't feel, and yet, and it's kind, and we would think that would feel like too much, but the film doesn't feel like a series of events. It feels like, it feels like a series of memories that kind of are like strung together because the film will kind of like skip over sections and it'll have like specific, it'll, uh, it'll focus on like specific moments. And, it, and at times it feel, and at times the movie kind of like, stuff like blurs together it feels like a it feels like the melancholic memory of like someone looking back on their life on their life and fuck it gets me every single fucking time i watch it i think i you think you're ready when you watch the last like the last 25 minutes of this movie even if if you've seen it shane and me shane can attest you think you're ready because you've seen it or you know it's coming. But just like every good parrot, you are not ready. No. Nope. And when it does happen, you lose it. <laughs> and it's you cry. Like I, uh, I, I cried the first time I watched it, I cried at four different points. The second time I watched it, I cried at four different points. The third time I eventually watch it, I will cry at four different points. <laughs> Yeah, every ready. time you think you're ready it's you like ready? it's like fucking clockwork it never ceases to disappoint it yeah. always happens this movie is fucking incredible uh i love every second of it i love how so i love f the attention the detail i love how there's a shot in the film that's literally just water droplets on fucking leaves and it looks like the most gorgeous goddamn thing i've ever seen in my life mm-hmm. um I love the snow scene when they're like just going down. Like that might be my favorite scene in the entire movie, where it's just this fucking this whimsical scene of them like running through the snow and they're they're having fun, the time of their lives, and then it's immediately followed by absolute terror because Ame's drowning in a river. Yeah, and it's yeah. like it fucking tears my heart out every time. Yeah, it's I I love I I love Hana so much. Best mom, mom of the best mom, mom of the decade. Mom of the decade, uh, that this woman fucking quit her quit her job, quit her call it call uh, quit her college uh, studies to raise these two kids and fucking 
moved out to the countryside, rebuilt an entire house by herself, fucking plow, uh, fucking created a farmland all by herself, fucking, uh, fucking did, basically did uh, all of this without any prior knowledge, and not once did she fucking complain about it at all. Fucking, this woman has nerves of fucking steel, um, and I, and I, I she, she is a role model, 100%. Uh, and apparently she's based on Hosoda's own mother. I wish she was my mom. Oh. <laughs> Just kidding, I love, I love my mom, I'm sorry. Insulting your own mother like I love my shame. mom, I love you, mom, you don't watch this, but I, I know I love you. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this movie's amazing. Um, and it was a huge success in Japan to the point where it actually... It is the it was the highest grossing film of that year in Japan. Um, uh, it was the fr- and which is very rare for a non Ghibli film. It's it's very rare for a non Ghibli film to do that in Japan. Uh, it is and it's still money wise and critically in both Japan and North America. Hosoda's most successful film. Um, so a lot of eyes are on Hosoda. At this point, it's like, what's he, what's he going to do next? What's he going to do next? And his next film is the boy was the was the boy and the beast, the first film that he wrote without his standard co-writer. Uh, it's the first film he wrote entirely by himself, uh, and it premiered on July eleventh, twenty fifteen. It's currently licensed by Funimation. Uh, you can go find it on their website. Uh, boy and the beast follows a nine year old by the name of Ren, who's lo- lost his mother under circumstances that we never really find out about. Uh, he doesn't want to live with his legal guardians and his father is nowhere to be found. So he runs away from home and he runs into a beast known as Kumatetsu, who is from another, who's basically from a parallel world to us, which is populated entirely by beasts. Kumatetsu wants to be the Lord of the next realm uh, of that realm because the current Lord wants to reincarnate into a God. So they, so there will be a, so there, so there will be a match between him and another, and another, uh, beast by o- name of Ozen to determine who will be the next lord. Uh, unfortunately, Kumatetsu needs an apprentice in order to make himself seem like a decent enough successor, so he takes Ren basically against his will to become an apprentice. And the film basically follows them as they basically train each other uh, as they go through life uh, learning the ways of martial arts. This film is like Kung Fu Panda if it had a beast um, and a human. Uh, Shane loves this. Shane in particular loves this. I so I'm gonna let him take it. I can't even really explain to you what it is that I love about this movie so much, but I just do, man. Like, <laughs> I I know about its problems. It's a little bloated and sluggish at sometimes, and you know it's it's not as uh, developed and deep as his other films. But goddamn, I love this fucking movie, man. I love the world, I love the characters, I love some of the really clever directing and symbolism that Hosoda puts in here. I just fucking love this movie about a bear man training a little kid to use the sword in his soul. I just love it. That's all I have to say. Uh, Spencer, what do you think of Boy and the no, Beast? No deep, like, in, no deep analysis here. I just really love this movie. Spencer, <laughs> how do you like it? Um, okay, Shane, don't hate me. <laughs> it's your least favorite, I know. I really couldn't feel it. <laughs> Keep in mind, it's actually not my least favorite. 
What's your least favorite? Oh, what's your mm. least favorite then? Is um, it? Mm. Oh, I'm about to fight you if that's the case. But like, go on, go on. I thought that Boy and the Beast was really good, but it was just very bloated. It did not need to be two hours. It really should have been like an hour and a half. And I just really couldn't get into it. But it's still a nine. I have, you know, that doesn't sound like the testimony of someone who would give this movie a nine. You sound like you want to give it a seven. No, I I did enjoy it. I did. I just, you gotta understand, man. Fucking wolf children. This yes, was after I, wolf children. I understand. Following wolf children, yes, this can be seen as a disappointment, but I don't fucking care, dude. I have well, some just, issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you, you, you go ahead, Matt. Yeah. It's it, it's really good, and I recommend that you watch it. Uh, but I just couldn't get fully into it. Yeah. Out of all of Hosoda's films, out of the ones in the rewatch, Boy and the Beast is the one that suffered the most, um, to be completely honest. I originally was like, Shane, this was actually in my top three for a while. Um, like, it was my second favorite behind Wolf Children, actually, uh, until this rewatch. And I realized that it is a kind of a bloated mess at points. Um, the, my pro- my biggest issue with Boy and the Beast is that the world never feels as developed as I feel like, that Hosoda wants it to be. I don't know if that's a I don't know if that's a result of it being two hours and being a movie that not enough time to develop it, or the fact that I think this is it. It takes place mainly in one location, so we never really get to see the world outside of like a brief montage of them traveling. And even then, we're never given like a sense of like how large the world is because it kind of moves so fast, and like we don't see them age or like mention like eh, or like we we don't see like the changing of seasons. It seems to take place in like the span of like a similar amount of time. So like no but the best things about the film though, action scenes are incredible. Um mm-hmm. they're great. Uh the uh no the animation is spectacular as usual. This is uh, the, this is easily the best animated out of the five, I feel. Eh, it's between it's between this and Hosoda's next one for me. Um, and we'll get into that why I think that in a second. But Boy and the Beast is really it's this movie is gorgeous to look at as per usual with Hosoda. Um, I love uh, I love uh, I love Kumatetsu. Kumatetsu is the fucking boy, dude. Uh, this is he's the, he makes this movie. Um, uh, he's the best part of it. Easy. Uh, uh, I could do without uh, fucking Kaede and Ren stuff. I don't. I didn't care as much about that, uh, to be honest. That that's the those are the parts of the like a lot of the human world stuff in this film I found kind of boring, which is odd for Hosoda, uh, to be honest, because Hosoda's films really revel in the realism. But I don't know for something about it. I, I think the the characters in the real world just didn't hit it as hard um, for me this time around. Uh, everything, everything was far better with uh, Kumatetsu's story. was infinitely more interesting, and it, I don't think it helps that he dies very uh, like like he's oh it doesn't die, but he like is taken out of the picture uh, before the third act. 
because of that, we're left with the protagonist who is decent but not nearly as good as him. Uh, uh, which is what doesn't kind of help. Also, the villain kind of comes out of nowhere. Let's be honest here. Uh, villain kind of comes out of nowhere. The villain sucks, dude. Uh, I don't think he sucks. I think he's good. I, I just, I genuinely, I want a villain that you know doesn't just go. You beat my daddy. I'm angry. I'm also like you. Grr, now I'm a villain. Mm, I don't think it's that black and white. I <laughs> no, I like him. I, I, I like him. But like my issue, my most of my issue is with that he's just is that he's my mo- my more issue is that he just he nowhere. Uh, uh, and they could have done it. And and I get what Hosoda was trying to do with it. Uh, he feels like an, he feels like a darker version of Ame from Wolf Children. To be to be completely honest, um, to the point where his voice sounds very similar. I think he's voiced by the same guy in Japanese. I don't know. No, he's not. He's voiced by Mamano Miyano in Japanese. Okay, <laughs> okay. Um, but um, he, uh, but yeah. Uh, also, I think Boy and the Beast has the best dub out of all. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I definitely. I think agree he has with that. the best dub. Out of all of these, a dub is excellent, especially John Swayze. John Swayze as Kuma Tetsu fucking kills it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's so good in this. Um, but yeah, Boy and the Beast still made a fuck ton of money though, so it still well, it was just as successful as Wolf Children. It just didn't do as well critically. Uh, and then we got to his 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 most recent film, The uh, Present Day. Year. Is present day, uh, which is most recent film, the one uh, that, in terms of that, is the that in terms of critically is the only one that has rivaled Wolf Children, even if it didn't do nearly as well box office wise compared to Boy and the Beast or Wolf Children, and that is Mirai, which was which premiered in, on July twentieth, twenty eighteen, in Japan. Um, and unlike the other fi- other films, it is not licensed by Funimation; it is licensed by G Kids. Uh, and because of that, and because of that, it's currently not available for any legal streaming. However, it is currently, uh, uh, however, it is technically on Amazon Prime if you want that in 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 the states. So if you have the state, if you have Amazon Prime in the states, you can watch Mirai for uh, I think three bucks. Um, on uh, Amazon. Otherwise, Prime. it's available on Blu-ray and DVD. And- otherwise, it's available on Blu-ray and DVD. Um, in a very uh, in a in a copy that we were sadly unable to get in time for this podcast. So this um, is so the only had, instance on the podcast where we had to actively pirate something to watch it. We, we had to we had to actively watch it through other through other means. However, with the quality of the film, I think I'll probably be picking this up. Uh, but uh, I w- uh, I'd expect you to honestly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll put a link in the description to an Amazon link where you can buy the Blu-ray if you're so interested. Buy, buy, uh, Mirai is very different from his other as Mirai uh, is focused specifically on a on a young child, specifically Kuhn. Kuhn is a Kuhn uh, lives his days with a you no know, lives his days in a you know in a large house with his executive mother and uh, and his and, a, and his father who's a freelance architect. Uh, one day his his uh, idyllic life is turned upside down when a when uh, a little sibling comes home. His little sister Mirai is born. And suddenly he's not getting nearly as enough attention as, as he once did, as per uh, as, and of course, uh, as we if we as we know kids, uh, they do not react well to that. Um, uh, I can't confirm was a child once, and <gasps> <laughs> yes, I was I was not born an adult, Shane. 
Wow, you um, weren't you weren't born from the abyss? Like I came out of the fucking ground, dude. Shane was born like the size he is now. He has been for twenty two years. I was born did. from the fucking earth. <laughs> um, uh, fucking, and then he burst Josh. Um, yeah, he's um, like he was like a little tumor growing on me that I just went, and now he's a child. You birthed him. Um, but yeah, uh, but uh, uh, Coon doesn't really Coon being a young, really young kid, like around five years old. It doesn't really know how to process this information as as it is as it, as we know. It's very difficult for a young child to process new things like this. So uh, one day he uh, and as time goes on, he starts to get uh, visits from from strange man in his, in his you know in you know in his garden, as well as who appears to be uh, who claims to be his older sister from the future, his younger sister from the future. Who has come back to visit for unknown reasons? Um, Mirai is probably his most interesting film because it's also his weirdest and his most experimental. I feel because um, it does a lot of things that are not normally in a traditional film. It doesn't follow a traditional three act structure. It's a little bit more of a series of vignettes. That's um, that's the thing that interests me about this movie the most is that especially compared to the rest of his films, it doesn't have a like. It doesn't have a definitive plot or structure to it. It feels more like an anthology than anything of mm-hmm. like several it's, short stories clumped together. Yeah, but through like a th- similar thematic through line. And Kuhn, that that's not to say there's no character arcs. Like both of the parents and Kuhn do have a definite three, like have an arc uh, that they go through for the film and they all evolve as people throughout the film. So it's not like the film is like disjointed or anything. It does. It never feels disjointed. But the film does does lack a traditional three act structure. Uh, it's also his weirdest film in that it does kind of do things a lot differently in terms of sto- in terms of in terms of its themes and its characters. Uh, and 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 because of that, it's also in, at least over here in the states and in like North America, it's his most polarizing film. Um, which is unsurprising. Uh, Shane, what did you think of Mirai? I really liked this movie. I watched it for the first time yesterday, and mm-hmm. I came out of it really enjoying it. I think my favorite part of this movie is the fact that Hosoda managed to take a snot-nosed little five-year-old brat and make him the most accurate depiction of a child I think I've ever seen in any medium, because yeah. Kuhn is so good such a goddamn joy to watch on screen because every action that he does feels natural like it it doesn't feel if he doesn't feel like someone wrote him he feels like Mm. an actual little kid who's trying to come to terms with the fact that he's a big brother and he needs to act like it from what i understand uh a lot of the at least the original japanese dialogue Moka Kamishirasi, who is actually like six years old in real life. At the time of recording the movie, he was like six years old himself. A lot of it was improv. Lots of improv dialogue here. Um, and Hosoda based a lot of his movements, a lot of the kids' movements, off of the cow act that they got to play him. So, and it feels like they actually, it, it's like a real life kid. I love how, and my favorite aspect of this is how they took a kid that should be annoying and would be annoying. And he's not. Uh, there, there like are a couple he, points here and there where he does start to get on my nerves a bit. But if he didn't, I would be questioning things. 
because yeah. that's not fucking accurate. Because you uh, and you also understand where he's because the movie is made from the mindset of a child, pretty much. So you understand where he's coming from, and I think what makes it work is the fact that from the very get from the get go. It's not like, oh, he hates Mirai just from the get-go, and then that's his arc, he hates Mirai. It's clear from the very first scene that he clearly loves his little sister. He mm-hmm. just doesn't know how to process the fact that he has a little sister, and yeah. he doesn't know what that means yet. Like, that's um, that scene where uh, his mom brings Mirai home, and he meets her for the first time, you can see that look in his eyes, that look of wonderment, like, oh... This is a yeah. this is a new life that was born. This is pretty yeah. cool. He, yeah. he just doesn't you, he just doesn't know how to process the fact that oh, this is my new family member and things are going to be a lot different from now on. And I don't like change yeah. because I'm like five. So because <laughs> I'm like five. And I mean, I mean to be I mean to be fair to Kuhn, uh, mood. I don't. I'm like 21 and I don't like change myself. So <laughs> relatable. Yeah. But, but but also like. Uh, I like how I, I like how Kuhn is immediate. Like it's clear he loves his little sister. He just doesn't know how to process it, and because of that, it makes his development more relatable. Because you can kind of interpret it as him like just processing through, like in his in his own weird way, trying to figure out how how to do this. Uh, Spencer, what did you think of Mirai? Now, well, Matt. It, well, our host Matthew is an older brother. Yeah, your older brother, I think your younger sibling is a brother. Yeah, I'm an older brother to a sister. Yeah, not six years, mind you, it's three, but yeah, c- close enough. And mm. yeah, this is very accurate. <laughs> However, I wasn't fucking walk. I, I, I didn't wander into our back garden and get met by my sister from the future or a teenage me or well, or Christopher Freeman playing or a dog. Freeman playing a dog. Um, <laughs> about Crispin Freeman, by the way. Um, about Crispin Freeman, by the way. You know what's funny about Crispin? He also he didn't just play the like the the human version of the dog. He also played the dog. So when he Did when he the dog's bark? barking, that's fucking Crispin. Crispin Freeman, my hero, playing a dog, barking like a dog. Oh my god! I first noticed it because if you actually listen to the barks in the fucking in the dub, it actually it, it doesn't sound like a dog. It sounds like bark, bark. It sounds like someone actually just saying bark, which is oh, funny as hell. Crispin, but um, this is this one's very weird. Like very weird. Um, mm-hmm. and I do like it. It was just after, okay, the reason why this is going to be so low on my list is because you got to realize I watch these like after work yesterday. <coughs> so I didn't have a lot of time to get through three ish almost four hours of movie um this was the end and by the end it was coming up on like two o'clock in the morning and i was really tired and the esotericism of mirai it just really started to bug me because i'm just like 
I don't, I don't need this right now. I'm really tired. I just want to go to bed. But, <laughs> but I promised the boys that I'd watch all the movies. And by Jove, I watched all the movies. Um, it's good. And on rewatch, I'll probably place it higher. But to be honest, I, I, I refuse to say that any of these movies is my least favorite because they're all really good. So there is no number five spot. This instead just shares the number four spot with Boy and the Beast. Fucking excuse me? Yeah, that's right. I refuse. That's not how this. That's not how this works, I Spencer. Refuse. Oh, so Shane, did you hear about the fucking Crispin Freeman dog? Yeah, I, I, I heard that. <laughs> He voices the dog and just, not just the dog to himself. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I had no idea he even voiced the the dog at all, even the human version. I was just like, this guy, this dog is a human now. What the fuck's going on? But, no, I, I knew it was him because it's his fucking voice. Like, it, it's, it's, like, like it's, it, it's very obvious it's Chris Freeman. Uh, but he also voices the dog. By the way, the only two characters that are actually given names outside of uh, the dog, uh, the dog's name is Kuto, I think. Yuko. 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 Uh, but outside of it's Yuko, Mirai, and Kun are the only ones given names. Everyone else is named the father, the mother, mysterious man, grandmother, great, great grandfather. grandfather. Almost like you're watching, like like how as a kid you wouldn't just you don't call people by their names. You just call them by like, oh, it's that person. Well, yeah. Um, if I ever walked up to my mom as a seven-year-old and went, hey, Chris, hey, Sue, uh, <laughs> my dad would go, excuse me? You don't call me by my phone name. I'm your father. And mom would go, what? <laughs> I, I didn't walk up to my grandfather when he was alive as a child and go, hi, Gary. <laughs> or my grandmother and go, what's up, Carolyn? Like, you don't. As a kid, you call them grandma and grandpa. You call them mom and dad. You would, especially if during the weird fucking time travel shit, you're not going to look at time at travel, the, or not time travel. Oh yeah, eh. it's not really. It's not it's really. It's left up into interpretation as to what the fuck it is. It's like um, it, it's like internal mind parallel stuff. Uh, but you would meet a man. And just assume that it's your great grandfather and be like, "Oh yeah, yo, what's up, Jujiro?" He, I mean, he looks like I mean, I, I, he. I love how like he sees the great grandfather and immediately thinks dad. Uh, I, I, I just love yeah, that. Yeah, that's detail. really nice. Uh, as you can tell, I love this movie. I loved it. Uh, I think, uh, I think this is probably my second favorite of his behind Wolf Children. Because uh, Wolf Children ain't leaving that top spot anytime soon. Uh, but this is real good. This is real good. Because uh, I, I, lo- I love how Hosoda just took everything if you, uh, everything from like his previous films and it's up to a T. This movie is gorgeous, by the way, to look at. The animation is great. I love the look of the house. They got an actual architect to like build it and everything. Um this movie remi- totally reminded me of like a Donald Bluth movie. If you've ever seen his stuff, mm-hmm, uh, yeah, like uh, where like it's surprise where this is definitely in terms of tone. This is definitely I think his most family friendly film. Uh, I think this is probably his most family friendly film. However, just like all good family films, it has that element. It has a scene in it that will like freak the fuck out of kids. I feel like. The goddamn train scene. 
train scene. Dude, like, like oh, we all, every, every good children's film has to have the scene that freaks the fuck out of them. Yeah. Uh, and that scene, if I was a kid, that scene would have scared the fucking Jeebuses out of me, to be completely honest. Because uh, um, I would have loved, I, but this film, this film's great. I absolutely love it. I love the ending to the film. I love how it ends. Uh, I love John Cho as the father. The dub for this is great. They got like really big name actors for it. John Cho is uh, the best part of this movie, just because it's John Cho. Mm-hmm. You know, I, he's the best part. Of, he, he does a and his characters like really like he's like a dad who doesn't know how to dad um, i mean just like all dads are really and in the beginning <laughs> and it's funny um uh and uh is and for what i understand is that the mother and father in this are based on holster and his wife um and you can kind of tell uh uh you, you can kind of tell the entire the entire premise for this movie by the way came from the fact that Hosoda had like a three-year-old four-year-old uh kid and then had another ba- and had a uh, had a had a had four year old boy who and then he had a had a daughter and immediately his reaction was that Ho- uh, was uh Hosoda's son uh, imme- uh saw the kid and immediately started crying uh so like he that's this entire movie was basically him uh trying to rationalize his own son's feelings for his younger sister and i love this movie i feel like this and wolf children are his most intrinsically personal films and i love that uh th- like i just love mirai i just love this i'm probably gonna rewatch it very soon because i'm getting an inkling to rewatch it get that fucking uh, blu-ray get the crisp 1080p quality c- boy c- 1080p quality blu-ray this movie stunning on blu-ray i would imagine um so yeah and uh, what's up next for Hostada? We don't know. All we know is that he does have another film coming. He's yes. working on another one. Uh, he's probably 2021, 20, I would imagine, because there's, there's a three-year gap between all of his movies. Yeah, I, that, so, I would assume so. So, Yeah. So uh, I'm going to take a wild guess. I'm going to say it's about family. Who? Who? Um, who? Whoa, what? Um, I'm also going to take a wild guess, and that there's going to be a hint of magical realism in it. Maybe Whoa. a beast. No, um, no, 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 man! No, no. You got some real good predictions here. Uh, man. Uh, I also think that there's pro, uh, there might be a uh, ro- uh, like a romance side plot, probably as well. Uh, Excuse me. Do you think that Coon is in love with his sister? Oh, uh, okay, yeah, we're done. <laughs> okay, um, move on. And now it's time for our final piece of news. Uh, no, not, not news. Excuse uh, me, Matt. <laughs> Uh, the piece of news is that uh, Hosoda has died. No, uh, Oh alive. my god, uh, no. No, oh wow. Uh, Holy shit. No, uh, no. Hosoda is... Yeah, um, but... Uh, we had time to give our final... Our final... Uh, our, our final scores for each of the films. So right. we're going to go for this one at a time. Just, Joe through time. Matthew. Yes. I'm going to be... So the average, obviously, it's... It, 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 Thirty times five, it's out of one hundred and fifty. We're gonna. I'm. I'm gonna give an average for Hosoda as a person. So, well, Hosoda as a person is a ten out of ten. There's no debate yes, in that. But yeah. his his filmography. All right. So, uh, all right. Yeah. So, go who left through time. Shane. Ten out of ten on the first viewing was a nine, but on rewatch, I appreciate it a lot more. So it's a ten for me now. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those movies that gets better and better on rewatches. 
Um, it's absolutely great and fantastic. Spencer, what do you give Go Left Through Time? Oh, 10 out of 10, easy. I know this is your favorite one. So. It's my favorite one. Like, it's perfect from start to finish. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, Summer Wars. Shane? 9 out of 10, because I do think the Summer Wars is his weakest, but as a film on its own, it's still really fucking good. Wait, is Matt not giving a score? Uh, I don't. Go Left Through Time is a 10, like I said. There you so, go. Like, yeah, a ten. Sorry. Uh, Spencer, Summer Wars? Summer Wars gets a 9. <laughs> Same as, uh, wait, Shane, what did you give it? Did you give it an 8 or a 9? I you just said nine. I gave it a 9. Were you not listening? Summer Wars gets Discord, a 9. Dude. Yeah, Summer Wars gets a 9 for me. Um, uh, well, Wolf, Wolf Children, Wars, we don't even have to fucking think. Yeah, Wolf different. Children is a 10. Wolf, Wolf Children gets a... Uh, Best movie out of ten for me. Yes. Uh it's Wolf Children is Wolf Children is in my top five movies of all time now. So Well apparently totally. it's your favorite movie now, so Yeah, it's right now it is, yeah. And it's probably gonna stay that way for a little bit. For context, my previous favorite was Inception. So Huh. Uh directed by Christopher Nolan, which by the way is what if still Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan didn't anime. Uh yes, please give me it. Um Um uh, fucking, fucking, uh, I will stand, I will die on the hill that Inception is Nolan's best film, uh, and that is a hill I will fucking die on. Inception um, is a, it's a Satoshi Kon film. It's, uh, it pretty much is. It's Paprika. Pretty much is. Paprika, yeah. It's Paprika, if Paprika wasn't nearly as surreal and was more focused on, uh, it was like a heist film. Yeah. Uh, uh, I just love Inception's premise. I just think it's a genius idea. But um, uh, but um, Boy in the Beast time. Shane, Boy in the Beast for me gets an easy ten. I love this movie so much. It's easily my favorite, aside from Wolf Children. I just really fucking love it. All right, that's Spencer? all I have to say. No one else will agree with me. That's fine. Spencer, uh, nine. <laughs> I, I also give Boy and the Beast a 9 out of 10. That was like um, the most disinterested 9 I think I've ever heard. Eh, 9. Eh, 9. Just give it a fucking 6. Just be true to yourself. It's not a 6. It's not even close to a 6. It's a 9. It's really good. I'll just have... Okay, to be honest to all of you, obviously, I'll have to rewatch it when it's not 2 in the fucking morning. But I do, I do really like it. It, it, it. It's an eye. Now, the most interesting <clears throat> one. All right, Mirai. Shane, what do you give Mirai? I'm giving it a very high nine because I loved everything about it, but the revelation near the end kind of soured me a little bit because I interpreted it one way that I thought made perfect sense, and then the movie turned around and said, lol, no, it's actually a magic tree, and I was like, okay, whatever you say, movie. So yeah, I think that alone uh, keeps it from being a 10 for me. Otherwise, it's honestly one of his best. Yeah. All right, Spencer? Uh, Mid-nine. It was it was good. I enjoyed it. All right. I don't give a fuck. This is a 10. Uh, Mirai's a 10. Uh, I absolutely adored this. Uh, fuck it. It's cute. It's charming. Uh, it's poignant. It's in, uh, it, it deserved the fucking... Academy Award nomination that it got, um, even if 
it's even if Spider Verse still shits all over it. Um, though to be fair, Spider Verse shits on everything. Spider Verse so. shits on like every movie ever. So <laughs> except Wolf Children, apparently. <laughs> except Wolf Children. Um, so yeah, and now we are, are and yeah, so all scores. So Spencer, what is the average? The average score for Bangal Hotel's filmography is a nine point five out of ten. That's pretty fucking high. Uh uh-uh. I didn't expect anything different to be perfectly honest. Yeah, so so yeah, that's Mamoru Hosoda. Uh well, I hope to do more stuff like this in the future with films and directors and stuff. Uh, uh there's a lot of people we could do. Uh, you better this. believe that if we ever do Satoshi Kone, I'm a fucking cut a backflip. Oh, uh, uh, fucking Shane backflip would, off my roof. Shane would love to do Satoshi Kone. How many uh, movies has he even done? Four. Five, four, yeah. Okay. And then he Tokyo dies. God, so. and then, oh, to- oh, Tokyo God Godfathers, um, Perfect Blue, Paprika, and... and uh, Millennium Actress. Millennium um, Actress. I see. Yeah, four. Uh, uh, four films. Um, he was working on a fifth one when he passed away in the middle of it. From, um, cancer, yeah. God, God rest his yeah. soul. And with that, it's time to move on to the random anime generator. Oh. If, you don't know, if you don't know how this works, we switch between a uh, choice between... Ours and the uh, between a pick from one of us to the randomizer. The hosted showcase was my pick, so now we are moving on to the randomizer. And Shane has a little announcement to make, uh, so, so we'll uh, so we'll we'll have him take it from here. So we're doing something a little different for the month of July, uh, much like we did in October for the month of Spook. July is going to be a themed month for us. July on the Gap is going to be the month of sports, where every show we cover in July is going to be a sports show. However, we're not going all out like we did for the month of Spook, where we're covering a show every week. We're sticking to the normal schedule, we're doing it bi-weekly, but each show that we cover in July is going to be a sports show. Including this one, which we have to get from the randomizer. So Matt, fire up the randomizer. I'm on the randomizer now. Okay, so Um, there's a very specific way we have to go about this to make sure that we do get a sports show. Because I've tried it several different times with very uh, different results. So I'm going to walk you through this. Alright. Okay, so TV rating, just select all of them, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I Um, always do that no matter what, because that's an easy one. Okay, episodes is up to the group. So how many episodes we feel in here? I'm pretty much fine with. I'm pretty much. I. I. You know what? I'm pretty because we did a bunch of movies. I'm pretty raring to go if we want to do like a double core one. Yeah, I'd say twelve plus. Twelve plus. So twenty five. Don't you do twenty five plus? No, twelve. Well, because it goes up to twelve plus. No, it no, it doesn't. It goes up to twenty five plus. Oh. Oh. I'm that's, pretty much. I'm good if you want to do like a if you, if you want to do a double core one. To be that's, completely honest, that's fine with, you. with me. I don't really care. So mm-hmm. one to tw- let's go one to twenty five plus. One to twenty five plus score uh, again up to us. I say at least a seven. At I, I say at least seven. a seven. Yeah, at least seven. Yeah. Okay, it's low enough. Low enough that we can get something kind of uh, kind of garbage. We can get garbage if we get it. But also high enough so that way we aren't guaranteed garbage. Okay. Um, uh, years released between. I personally would pick between two thousand and now. But again, that's up to the group. Uh, I'm going to pick between 1995 and now. I was going to say 97. Um, okay, let's compromise and say 96. 96. 96. So 96 to now. So, so large a chunk of... Th- this is large like- chunk. 
uh, over tw- 23 years of sports anime to choose from, more than likely. Uh, so that's a lot of sports anime. All right, here's where it starts to get... Uh, here's where things confusing. are a little tricky. Um, because I've done this several different ways, and there is only one real way we can go about this to make sure that we get a sports show. So, Matt, for included genres, pick only sports. Because I've done runs where I picked more than sports, and there's a very high chance that we get something that isn't actually a sports show. Yeah, so all right. pick Excluding, only sports. Now, right, only sports. Okay. Excluded genres now. Now, what excluded do you want? genres, we can exclude nothing, or we can exclude specific oh. ones. Because if we, if we exclude all of them, then we're only going to get one show. So yeah. it's up to uh, you guys what we exclude. All right, so... I would say keep action in because a lot of shows, sports shows, are also action shows, classified as action shows. Uh, I'd also keep adventure in as well. Comedy. Yeah. Do we want to keep comedy in or no? Yes, keep comedy yes, in because a lot of sports in. shows are listed under comedy. Do we do we keep drama in too? A, a lot, lot of them are also listed as drama, so yes, keep drama. that. Etchy. Get, get the Good fuck vibe. rid of Etchy. <laughs> Get rid of Edgy, get rid of Hentai, I mean, sorry, uh, Harem. What if they yeah, put right. Hentai on the random? Uh, all right, um, then we are covering Bible Black on the podcast, confirmed. Uh, <laughs> um, I never make that noise again. Um, so I would say get rid of Edgy, get rid of Harem. Yeah. Um, fantasy? Uh, get, Lo get and behold, fantasy. I did find sports a sports show that is considered a fantasy, so... So bye bye fantasy. I'm not uh, game. Keep game because because if we get a game show, that's technically a sports. that's technically a sports. It is technically sports. So if we get Yu Gi Oh, even though it's not listed as sports on the randomizer, it still technically is a sport, I guess. Yeah. Um, historical. There's a it, couple. Mm. It's fine. Uh, horror's fine. Leave it. Yeah. Magic. Bye bye. Bye bye. Mecca. Bye bye. Bye bye. Military. Also, bye bye, bye bye, which means we can't get girls in Panzer. Uh, I, I I wouldn't consider that a sports show. It is considered honest. a sports show. That's it what is I said. a sports show. But were we it, 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 uh, really <laughs> like? Yeah, apparently. Uh, uh, but whatever. Um, music, music's fine. Leave it. Mystery, yeah. mystery's fine. Key, parody, key parody, key parody, absolutely key parody. Uh, psychological. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. I was gonna say keep it. Why? There's, there's a couple of sports shows. There's a couple under- sports shows that are considered pong. psychological. Ping pong. Oh, okay. Yeah, never mind. Yeah. Ping pong is considered under that. Romance. Keep it. Keep it. Lots of romance sports for some reason. Keep school. Because we're gonna lose out on basically everything. Everything. Like, yeah. Uh, sci-fi. Uh, nah. Uh, I say dump. Yeah, dump, dump sci-fi. Sci- uh, seinen. We'll keep there it. are keep there are a couple sports shows that are seinen, so keep it. I'm gonna keep all the all, all the genre like the all the demographic ones. Yeah. Seinen, so Shoujo, from, Shonen, keep that. I also keep Slice of Life, but yes. I am dumping Supernatural because I right. do not. Think... So what oh, do we have think... going in? All right, so we are one between one to twenty five plus episodes. We have score between seven out of ten, seven and ten. Mm-hmm. All the TV ratings released between nineteen ninety six to two thousand nineteen. Okay, only include sports, but excluding etchy. Fantasy, harem, magic, mecha, military, sci-fi, and supernatural. All right, I'm good with that. Are, are, is I honestly else? think this is pretty solid. So yeah. who I knows what we're gonna the fucking anime get. now? Oh, I've been wanting to watch this one for fucking years. Oh, okay. is it a good one? 
It's a good one. It's the Drama Game School Slice of Life Sports Show, Chiata Fudu. Oh, uh, shit. Okay. We got Chiata Fudu. Um, Chiata Fudu is technically two seasons um, of 25 episodes each. Uh, but we will, So we will be covering season one here. Uh, in this case, uh, here's a brief description. Chia, uh, Chiaya Aase, a unwilling tomboy's girl, grows up under the shadow of her older sister. With no dreams of her own, she is contented with her share in life until she meets Arata, Arata Wataya, quiet transfer student in elementary class, reduces her to competitive kurata, a physically demand- mentally demanding card game inspired by classic anthology of 100 poets. Huh. Captivated by Arata's passion for the game and inspired by the possibility of becoming the best in Japan, Chiaya quickly falls in love with the world of kurata, Along with the prodigy Arata and her hardy but hardworking friend Tachi Mashima, she quickly joins the local Shirame Society. The trio spend their idyllic childhood days playing together until circumstances split them up. Now in high school, Chia has grown into a karate freak. She aims to establish the municipal Mizusawa High Competitive Karate Club. Setting her sights on the national championship in Omi Jingu, reunited with now indifferent Taichi, Chiaya's dream of establishing a karate team is only one step away from becoming true. She must bring together members with a passion for the game that matches her own. Uh, I've heard very, I've heard nothing but amazing things about Chiara for you. Uh, this is uh, this is what I've been meaning to watch for years. So, hey, third season coming out. Yeah, third October. season's coming this year too. So, and both seasons are available on Crunchyroll sub and High Dive dubbed. So, yeah. So if you want to watch here. it, so if you want to watch them in sub and dub, they are available to watch. They just recently got dubbed too. So, uh, so they've been recent. They were recent Sentai pickups. If you're going to. So, do, are we good with... I think we're good with this. No, we're good. That, we're absolutely good with that. Yeah, sounds yeah. good. All right, so next time on... Next time on The Gap, we will be covering the first season of Chiara Furu, uh, with I am, I am Matt, a.k.a. Legion Rex. You can find me on Twitter at Legion Rex, where you find my shitty opinions, as well as Very my... Shitty. As well as my uh, channel, Le- at Legion Rex, where I have a video coming out on the 26th on Spider-Verse. Get hyped. Um, in prep for uh, ready for, for when it comes out on Netflix. I like with me, I have Spider-verse. my what I like Spider Verse. Yes, you do like Spider Verse. I know that. Um, with me, I also have my co-host Shane, aka the Beauty. When you find him on Twitter at the Beauty Gaming Network, where you can find his also shitty opinions on games and other things and memes, lots of memes, so many memes. Um, and you can also find him on on YouTube at Beauty Game, at also at Beauty Gaming Network, where you can uh, watch his. Uh, uh, you can watch his gameplay videos as well as unboxings, streams, podcasts, a bunch of other things. Uh, go check him out there. Uh, with me, I also have my co-host Spencer, aka the Beautiful. You can find him on Twitter at Beauty Burton with two E's. Uh, uh, and I think we're all pretty good here. Yes. Yeah. So uh, with that, I will. I uh, so with that, I think it's time we uh, head out to say goodbye to everybody. So uh, both of y'all. Say goodbye to everybody. You do. You do it first, Spencer. Okay. I have to sneeze. Bye, everybody. <laughs> oh, okay. Where's the sneeze? Where's the sneeze? I'm waiting it's, for the sneeze. It's coming. Just you say goodbye. Don't worry about it. Oh, all right. So, uh, see you later, everybody, and I hope you're all here for Chiara food. Damn it, that's an ad. I didn't want that. Why is there an ad on the national anthem of the USSR? Fuck. Uh, Alright, my, my intro has been butchered. Bye, everyone. We'll see you for sports month. God damn it. 
Thank you for listening to The Gap. If you like what you've seen, you can subscribe to The Gap Podcast YouTube channel to get the latest podcasts as they go live. Be sure to like and comment and let us know what you guys think of the show. Thank you very much for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Don't get that going.